gagged at two girls, one cup. You cringed at two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Now it's time to get uncomfortable with Two Nobodies, One Podcast. This is Here's My Movie. Here's my movie. Oh, that was great. Thank you. I do. I do gesticulate. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and you know why? It's because I have had zero sleep, and I did not have the energy to do that part. So I'm really glad it was you. This That's time. why we put you on the dit dit roll. Yeah. So but if it, ever you isn't it, it, aren't I lucky though that it just worked out for the me that way? Yeah. Instead of alternating from now on, we'll just whoever's had the least sleep gets to do it. <laughs> Although I feel like that'll probably just be you all the time. And it'll yeah. just be me energetically yelling and gesticulating. Yeah. To fire up. Fire up, bitch. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. That's what we say during the cricket. During the cricket. Yes. Yeah. Taken from, was it Roy and HG's amazingly hilarious uh, commentary for the State of Origin back in the day for the footy fans? I yeah. can't remember which player they called fire up, bitch. <laughs> but they would, they would do, obviously, funny commentary, but it would be very much this energy, you know, and so-and-so is passing it to so-and-so and so-and-so, and fire up, bitch! Like... <laughs> <laughs> And what was the uh, Pacific Islander name that they came up with? They called him Petrol 70 Cents a Litre. <laughs> and I think it was Pet- Petro 7 a Yeah, Seven well, a I believe. Yeah. I, I, every time I think of that player, I just think of Petrol 70 Cents a Litre. <laughs> and then I get sad because I'm old enough to remember Petrol at 70 Cents a Litre. And now it's like, what, a dollar 70 Cents a Litre? Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Damn, you old bitch. Inflation. It's a doozy. It was uh, when I was filling up my penny farthing. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to like go like medieval, like once a year we meet with my horse and my cart, you know. But I fill up the horse with... With... Petrol, petrol. 70 cents a litre. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I didn't want to go that old. I guess you see me as older Very than penny farthing old. I, yeah, I do. Like what centuries. Is that, you, is that 1800s? Is that before 1800s? You're yeah. old. You'd know. Oh, fuck off. Um, it was 1800s, penny farthing. 1800s? I think so. No. I don't know. You what said a it with complete bike. confidence. I loved it. You know, you know that I worked with someone and they'll remain nameless Benjamin, I think his name was. We'll call him Benjamin S. No, that's <laughs> that's too obvious. <laughs> B. Smith. Um, no. <laughs> this, like, I don't... Look, he seemed fine, so I feel bad, but I thought he was a total piece of shit because he used to ride a penny farthing to work. <laughs> like, gave most of his money to charity, very sustainable gentleman, yeah. but goddamn piece of shit. Why, Katie? No, but, but like that's taking like hipster cycling to unprecedented levels of ridiculousness. It is a totally impractical bike, just for starters. And I'll tell you that for nothing. Was he a hipster before hipsters were hipsters? Maybe he is that he old. He is the king of hipsters. Yeah, and like this was, I used to work for a large telco rhymes with bloptus um 
Yeah, Virgin, got it. Uh, and he, uh, well, owned by Bloptus, but yeah. Um, Floptus actually is a more apt term. I believe that was the hashtag that went around when they totally fucked up the English Premier League. But anyway. Among other things. Among everything else, yeah. Um, but he used to, like, ride it to work and park it with the other bikes. Like, this giant, like bike where he actually had to crouch right down with his like throat on the handlebars because it was it he'd almost hit his head on the bike shed roof did he wear a helmet or was he like head to toe no it was actually a top hat and a, a curled mustache <laughs> that's what he wore yes. on his head yes and a, <laughs> the mustache was on the hat <laughs> coat with tails yeah and he had a monocle and spats <laughs> no, he was just like a regular, like businessy piece of shit that happened to have that as his vehicle. I would rather walk. That's my stand, and I'm taking it. And you just stopped to hate him, like you couldn't walk. No, no, no. Look, I was, I was really offended, and then like I started telling people about it, and they're like, "Yeah, that sure is weird." And I'm like, "But don't you hate him?" And they're like, "No." And it was that moment that I realised that I was wrong. But you know what? Why not take the low road? Well, he's on the high road. <laughs> <laughs> he has no choice. He has a shitty fucking vehicle. Um, yeah, so that's the penny farthing story. It's got nothing to do with movies. I don't know how we got there. Did he take a like a tyre replacement tube? I don't know. For the giant one? <laughs> <laughs> what is he? Is he supposed to wrap it around him like a... You know, carpet python. Yeah, <laughs> when he yeah exactly. <laughs> Just in case I get a puncture, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I should have one day just like waited for him in like with a bonnet and a basket of flowers and been like, oh, you know, my gentleman caller, <laughs> take me for a ride around the park. You'd probably love that. Yeah. See, that's why I never did that's it. That's where it falls that. apart. Yeah, that was the only reason I didn't ever do that, because I would, it would give him too much joy. <laughs> I want to talk about our intro replacement. Ah, uh, yes, okay. We put it out there. Last episode, which wasn't six months ago. I'm actually pretty upset. I was really enjoying our six months between episode uh, shtick. With constant apologies and, like, we didn't even apologise. No, I'm not actually sorry about recording this episode now. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we're not even going to put it out. We'll leave it. We'll sit on it for six months. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Eat shit. The the date is the 26th of February, 2020. Damn it, now they'll never want to put it out. I've ruined (laughs) it. Edit that bit out. No, I'm kidding. So we, we put a call out, jovially, for people to send in replacement ideas. Yes. For our intro. Now... We have friends of the podcast, because they love us, one Thomas Angove. Hello, Tom. Who wanted to enter the competition, his words, and it starts with, I I can only assume this one's for you, Katie. (laughs) You fake laughed at two and a half men. (laughs) But I'm not fake laughing at that. That's real laughter. Know the difference. Give us a fake laugh. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty obvious. I thought they were going to be really close. We're going to have to get a guy in a penny penny farthing to uh, split the difference. I I could do like a a Betty and Wilma from the Flintstones laugh. Like, (laughs) that was a bit witchy. Oh, I can't really do it. That's what you do as a fake laugh. No, it's sort of like a pursed, closed mouth laugh, you know? You have many laughs. I do. I'm a multi-layered woman. I'm an onion. 
An onion. An, an, an onion cake, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> layers upon layers. It's like in the inception. Christopher Nolan of onion cakes. And uh, another friend of the podcast, Mr. Ray Bannerman. Yes. The main man behind Movie Weekly. Yes. MovieWeekly.com. Go visit. He has. He suggested a couple of things. I don't, I'm not going to read out the first one because I don't have it in front of me. Um, but it was a little bit racy, a little bit porno. Ooh. If you do want to hear it, you know, send it, send it, uh, send us a message, send us an email, and we will let you know, and we'll read out your email as well. But he su- he suggests a little bit of pun play. Mm-hmm. Don't hail a taxi driver, or continue with a flight plan. Just escape into your panic room and join Katie and Nate for. Here's my movie. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Because even cyberspace, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> Sorry, because even in cyberspace, that's my bad. No one can hear you scream. Thank you very much, Ray. Thank you very much, Tom. No, that was. Oh, I love how many um, references were, were painting a rich tapestry in that. That was awesome. Very punerific. It was great. It was man- uh, look, and there's no reason why we couldn't do a mashup. Of those suggestions. Of everything. Of everything. Plus ours, plus every other suggestion that comes through. It will be a 14-minute intro. But we like, we'll keep it the same, no, we'll keep it the same length and we'll just layer on top so it's just gibberish. So at the end it's just like, ooh, (laughs) alien. Yeah. (laughs) That would, people want that, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Give the people what they want. Oh, man. I don't, look, I don't know if that version is what they want, but that is a great springboard for a new theme, and I think we'll get that done sometime in the near future. Well, you're the, you're the one who doesn't like the intro anymore, right? I like the intro. No. You know what? You know what I, I saw, and I forget where. I think it must have been in something we watched recently. Oh, it was. It was in Birds of Prey, I'm pretty sure. And this is not a spoiler. Um, two guys, a girl, and a pizza place is referenced in Birds of Prey. Because Ryan Reynolds was in it. I didn't know that. Was I in the bathroom when that was happening? No. All right. It could be a completely different film. Someone mentioned it last week. I don't know who. But it was someone I don't know. Like, they were in the TV. They were in the TV or movie screen. Or movie screen. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking about that. I'll just... What I'll do is my classic thing of when I do remember it, I will just blurt it out. Whether mid-sentence, you're talking once the podcast's over. I think it was that. Right, it might have been because I, I did have a bathroom break because we got two beers each, a Coke nondescript size, which turns out is supersized. Yes. And some water? Yeah. And because the water was free, I have to drink it. Mm. Don't judge me. It's what I do. Well, it's because the Coke Zero was $47. Yeah. They were like, we better make it worth their gold class time. <laughs> Yeah, no, it may have been, but, um, yeah. Let's not get hung up on it, because we're going to my new favourite section, segment, rather. Mm-hmm. The uh, Everyone's going to remember the name, because it's so good. Say it with me, podcasters. New at the Flicks. I hate it. Unless, so. Katie, what do you have? What have you got? I have nothing. I deliberately told Katie to not tell me what she had as a replacement title. You may recall from the last episode, you were like... It's okay. You were like, it's a B plus kind of title. Could definitely run with that. I don't. That's how I I recall it. I think that mark has been bell curved somehow because I did not offer a B plus. Ooh. So like B, just a flat B. 
Yeah, flat B pretty much flat sums B. it up. Oh, come on. I'm trying to get you lower. Is it even C minus? Is it even passable? Is it a passing grade title? It's a pass. Should be square brackets placeholder would be better. Should we do that from now on? We're up to square brackets placeholder segment. Look, new at the flicks is fine until I've, you know, thought of something else and then put it in and you don't know about it. New competition, everyone. That's true, yeah. Throw it at us. If you can come up with anything that is remotely better than new at the flicks, Good luck. we will send you a mystery prize. Oh, will we? Mm-hmm. I, w- I was just going to say we'll use it. No. Okay. They get something. What is the mystery prize? Why would I tell you if it's a mystery? <laughs> World's shittest mystery. Is it a, is it the a, mystery prize is a whoopee cushion. Is no, it a question mark box? Yeah. And everything. <laughs> Painstakingly, we'll draw the question marks yeah. on it. And it'll be like a mushroom that makes you grow in size. And or once like we get your... a fireball that makes you a fireman that shoots balls of fire, oh. which is very impractical. Okay. Yeah. Or is that the flower that did that? No, no, the flower made you really fast, didn't it? I think the flower was the fireballs. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty rusty on my Nintendo references. I'm pretty late to the Nintendo party. Yeah. And it was the star that made you like a speedy sort of streaker. It did. We are, of course, talking about video games. Yeah. Mario, right? Yes. Send in a title for Nate's crappy segment and we'll send you a mystery prize. Otherwise, Katie will just call it that. Nate's crappy. Yeah, we're up to Nate's crappy segment. No, it's not. Look, it's not crappy. I just Title. I just think it's a crappy name. Yeah. So Nate's crappily titled segment. Yes. Is currently the front runner of the competition and yes Katie suggested it so she might get the mystery box yeah which means she has to package it blindfolded just randomly grab something off the mantle yeah or no, Pat or Pat you might get a cat that's really annoying he does like jumping into boxes so if she's blindfolded there's a good chance you're getting a, a cat yeah we'll punch holes in it either way <laughs> yeah no um, so new at the flicks Nathan oh you called it by name thank you <laughs> new at the flicks it's pretty packed actually this is just from this week um i started like i had a whole bunch more and i drew lines for them because i'm like i don't want to go into 19 movies but anyways here we go first cab off the rank honey boy Mm. have you heard of honey boy it's honey Mm -hmm. boy on your radar it certainly is nathan shia labeouf i love love him i have unending love for him he's fantastic Mm -hmm. but he has written did he direct it? I don't know if he directed it. He definitely wrote it while he's in rehab. Mm. Autobiographical story where he plays his father. Mm. Appears to be quite eccentric. Yeah. And then some equally talented child actor is playing him, although not called Shia LaBeouf. They have different names. But it's, yeah, it looks it looks good. It's getting some great reviews and I love me some Shia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd, like, I'd love to see it. When you say you love me some Shire, do you mean the Lord of the Rings area? I was, I was like, be still my heart. Katie is going to make a Lord of the Rings reference. And I'm like, there's no way. She's probably going to throw me under the bus and say, do you mean the Shire in, you know, fucking Sydney? Yeah, go to the Sharks. Yeah. You know, fuck that place. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. That's, that's what, exactly why I thought you were going to go there. No. Uh, to all of our two Shire listeners, it was nice knowing you. Thank you for tuning in. There's Catch definitely you never. not two. Except when we do a shark movie, you're obliged to listen to us. <laughs> There's shitloads of them that are ripe for this show. Uh, so, yeah, you think Honey Boy is going to be great? Um, I'm really looking forward to it because I really love him and I think he does great work. 
I think it's um, he's one of those really special actors that just sort of transcends the, the you know the talent pool that we see even in the A list, even if they're like they're super eccentric and you know not all that accessible as people. Um, they kind of blow everything out of the water. Like I'd say Christian Bale's kind of in that category as well. Yeah. Um, where they're not terribly likable people, but they do amazing work, but they also appear very tortured, so I'm assuming that the film's going to show a bit of that as well. I like Christian Bale. Yeah. He had a blob. It was recorded. Mm. It was leaked. He sounded like an asshole. Mm. He apologised incredibly well. Yeah, see, this is why I'm firmly in the camp of Jewish Bale. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is that his next iteration, or that's his... yeah, someone's that, out there and it's called, not even his final form. Someone's out there called Jewish Bale. <laughs> so there's like Buddhist Bale. Buddhist Bale, I love that for alliteration. Although, you, you know. BB. <laughs> hey, BB. You'd have a leaked, you know, video of him on set and he'd just be like leading some sort of peaceful chant and it would be really boring. Yeah, it's like, hey, BB, what's up? Oh, vow of silence. <laughs> Forgot. I'll see you in 20 years. <laughs> You're nuts. I love it. You are. Okay, so we both think that's going to be good. The next one, speaking of people writing and starring in their own things, Motherless Brooklyn. Have you heard of this? Is this on your radar? I have heard of it. I know virtually zero about it. I was going to say Edward Snowden's in it, but it's the other Edward. The only other Edward. I challenge you to think of any other Edward apart from Snowden and Norton. Scissorhands. Damn it. It's not a real person. Uh, yeah, so he's, I think, writing, directing, starring in. The man loves himself. Mm-hmm. We watched the roasting of Bruce Willis, wasn't it? Yeah. Did we watch that? Yeah. How good was that? It was great. If you haven't seen it, get a hold of it, watch it. It's it's legitimately hilarious. Uh, and it's, it's one of the great roasts. It's front-loaded. Ro- front front-roaded? Front-loaded with hilarity, uh, but what I love the most, and this is like a minor spoiler, so if you don't want it ruined, because it won't, it's a comedy, it's not going to be ruined, is that people like sh- shitting on Edward Norton about mm. how much he loves himself leading up to his speech where, and he has ghost written stuff, as in I think he, he ghost wrote or rewrote The Incredible Hulk, yeah, uh, which I like, I've got a soft spot for. <clears throat> he obviously wrote Motherless Brooklyn, didn't ghost write. So he's got some writing chops, and while these people are slamming him, he isn't sitting there frantically deleting parts and rewriting. No. He just gets up and does a speech where he makes Bruce Willis's roast about Edward Norton. Yeah. I almost said it again. Get out of my head, Edward Snowden. No, he's in Russia now and we don't speak of him. Is he the bad one or the good one? Who's the bad one? Edward Norton. No, the other one. The, we're going on the Edward Snowden track. <laughs> Do you now. mean Julian Assange? Yeah, him. Is he the bad one? Is he bad? Look, it's all up in the air, really. But the great injustice of the world is that there's allegedly a, a Julian Assange movie or has been one. And why? There's been two. Well, there's been two. Yeah. Okay, so two chances, two fucking strikeouts. Why? isn't Tilda Swinton playing Julian Assange. <laughs> I love that, but can I also say Two Chances, Two Strikeouts is the Fast and Furious spin-off <laughs> that we have been waiting for, Universal. You've got our number. 
because you listen to us. They have and that blonde was- hair. They squint. But in two movies, Tilda Swinton's missed out on the role of Julian Assange. <laughs> and she wants cool. revenge. <laughs> yep. I would watch it. I would. You'd watch it. Yeah, we all would. Uh, Motherless Brooklyn, I think, looks a bit average. Some ah. dude with, like, some sort of social impediment. I'm probably not saying that right. But uh, he gets around as a private eye and he's awkward and I watched the trailer and I thought it looked bad but it's getting good reviews I do like Edward Norton as an actor going back to your Christian Bale point I think there's sort of a sufficient evidence to suggest that Edward Norton might be one of those assholes on set uh, but talented very talented actor oh 100% like he he's fantastic and he um he actually he's putting out a <laughs> he's becoming a software like dude like a mogul dude um he's building an app that helps the filmmaking process so the sort of the pre-production getting shit organized kind of process so that will be interesting it looks very good so that's actually it's it's pretty amazing that he's sort of spearheading that and doing a film that he's written and starring in it and directing it he's got ants in his pants right Yep. I want to see it because Edward Norton. I don't want to see it because the trailer particularly wowed me. So expectation is set at average, which is a good place to be Hmm. going into movies, right? Um, And Katie didn't really know about it. So do you want to take a punt of what you think it's going to be like anyway? Oh, I think it'll be just tit-piercingly fantastic. Tit-piercing. They put that on the poster. (laughs) (laughs) Katie McHugh, here's my movie. Tit-piercingly fantastic. Two and a half stars. Two and a half stars. <laughs> that reminds me of, I can't remember the movie, but there was a movie that uh, had rave rave reviews, right? So they did a poster and they had all of these five stars, you know, outlet five stars, five stars. Um, and the poster had two people standing side by side and they put a three-star review in between the two people with the person's name underneath it, because it was a three-star review. But amongst all the fours and the fives, you just kind of glanced over it and assumed that, oh, the stars are hidden behind the two characters. I thought that was pretty genius. They did get called out on it by wow. the reviewer going, oh, good good work sneaking my three-star review onto your accolades poster. Recording. But enough about Motherless Brooklyn and strange star signs. <laughs> I don't know. Star posters? Yeah, that's right. You should have seen the look she just gave me. What I'm very, very, very excited for is a little movie called Guns Akimbo. Yeah, that is looks this really on your good. Radar? Yeah. In the vein of things like Shooter. Did you ever see that movie? Yep. That was cool. I mean, it outlived its welcome and all that sort of stuff, but the premise of just a constant shoot 'em up is kind of like crank. The first one, not the second one, which I don't really remember, but I remember loving the first one. So Daniel Radcliffe, games developer, gets caught up in some shady shit and then wakes up with two guns strapped to his hands, like they're fused to his hands. So he has to do everything with guns attached to his hand, but he's also being, he's also told to hunt some particularly good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like Ready Player One mixed with like Swiss army man and Scott Pilgrim. 
<laughs> yeah, like, it looks it's, bonkers. Yes, totally and, and bo- bonkers. Bonkers yeah. can go terribly, terribly wrong, but bonkers can also be right. I think the world needs more bonkers movies. I partic- I'd love Swiss Army Man. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually very keen to watch it again. They're only selling it and literally looking at it earlier today. Only selling on DVD in Australia, at least at JB. What the really? fuck? I mean, I didn't expect a 4K version, but Blu-ray would be nice. Anyways, I'm going to hunt down a Blu-ray. I'm going to watch that again because we only saw it once at the Sydney Film Festival. Yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, but that was actually a, a pretty quality run of movies we watched. I don't remember everything else there, but that one, I, I loved it. It was quirky. It was fucking insane. And, and it was so inventive and creative. Yeah, yeah. And, it, like, I think Daniel Radcliffe did so well. As a corpse. As a <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> Who like, signs up for that? I know. And he, um, like, considering where he came from and he was trying very desperately to um, shed the whole Harry Potter thing and, like, you know, typecast as the, you know, oh, gosh, oh, something's happening. You know, I'm the nerdy kid with the glasses and I'll just fucking carry on. Like, because so, he was in that and then previously he did, like, a West End stint um, in a play called Equus, and I'm pretty sure he was naked. Got his dick out. Yeah, for most of it. I did hear stories of him uh, making things look bigger before he turned around with the dick shot. I don't yeah. know if that's true. I was going to say, or I imagined it. Maybe. I don't know, Wouldn't but it was like, me. I remember that that happened not long after the, the final, like part two of the final film was released, and... Like, Harry Potter's kind of special to me because we grew up together. So, like, the book that was released every, you know, year was, like, I think there was a, there was a bit of an overlap where it wasn't quite yearly. But generally, like, when he was in year seven, I was in year seven. When he was in year eight, I was in year eight. So we kind of grew up together. And I wasn't quite prepared to see him naked in a promotional poster for a movie where he's doing something with a horse. I don't know. Hang on, so, hang on, hang on. Released yearly... Almost yearly, it's those a fantasy books, yeah. book. Yeah, well, it was it was almost yearly, not, not quite. Come yeah. on, no, you you must be exaggerating because it's fantasy. I don't know if you've heard of George R. R. Martin, but you can't just churn a book out every ten years. It's ridiculous. <laughs> or Robert Jordan, that guy that just like, I think it was the Wheel of Time series, and he died before he finished it, and it was up to like book eighteen. So there's all these people that have spent like two decades, three decades with this series. I think it's only two, but yeah. And yeah, he, he passed away before he finished it. So he was punching them out though. Must have been, yeah. At, at pace. I, I'm not familiar with it, but yeah. I've heard amazing things, but as yeah. soon as someone says 18 books, I lose all interest immediately. Yeah, it may, look, it may not be 18. I know it was a lot. And I know that people were bitterly disappointed and sad that he passed away before it was completed by him but I'm led to believe that it was eventually finished with you know someone else's help obviously but and he'd given them the his you know blessing and and the things that he wanted to come out as part of the ending but you'll never really know but fuck that guy George R.R. Martin right like Mm. it's not a cautionary tale don't listen to anybody you do it in your own time yeah don't, you know, don't worry that you get distracted by writing episodes of Game of Thrones when it was on TV. There's a Game of Thrones prequel coming. I'm sure you won't get distracted by writing those episodes or <laughs> or some compendium of shit that is utterly, utterly critical before you finish it. You just don't worry about it, man. Don't listen to the naysayers. You do you. Isn't that weird that he did that whole, like, history of Westeros, like, supplementary book that 
only the diehards really bought into. Um, and that was that took precedence over actually finishing the series of which the television show over, like overran it in terms of storytelling. And you could really obviously tell, but yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, I don't know. If you're, I think that there's obligation. I'm not even talking about to readers, although that is obviously important as well if you're going to start a series and it's within your power to finish it. I, I call what he does um, positive procrastination. Mm. It's what I used to do at university when I didn't want to do one assignment. I'd be like, I'm going to procrastinate with this other assignment. Take that shit assignment I don't want to do. <laughs> and so I was getting something done, but ultimately I was still procrastinating because I wasn't focusing on the thing that I should be prioritizing. Yeah, yeah. Granted, I'm sure my 2000 word essay probably pales somewhat in comparison to his 200,000 word thingy. I know, but like, I mean, he's kind of set up now, right? Like he, it's not like he'd want for anything and he has like research assistants and everything like, you know, get it happening, man. Yeah, this is where I start. This is, I mean, you've probably picked up on it from my extreme sarcasm, but this is where I start to lose sympathy. Yeah. You know, at the point at which you are like not, um, Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. My God, I blanked on her as well. Edward Snowden. J.K. Rowling started off as like a nobody, yeah. right? Wrote the Harry Potter books. They didn't get popular till I don't know how many in. You'll probably know more about that than me. But she was like a go-getter, getting shit done, still writing out the books. Like, I don't know, it's, they're selling okay. I'm doing okay. I'm doing what I want to do type thing. And I want to finish this series. Mm. Planned it all out as I'm sure... Old mate has as well planned it out. Well, we know because I think he gave the plot to the other people. But I think all writers, no matter how prolific or not prolific, no matter how famous or not at all famous, need external deadlines. And I feel like there's a really unique external deadline with Game of Thrones where you're like, oh, shit, they're doing one season per book. So I have X amount of years to get this done mm. and I'm going to work backwards from that. And it doesn't even have to be like super finished, but like maybe a first draft that they get to read under whatever NDA or thing. I'm sure they're not going to leak it. Um, and that way the quality of the show, which also has your name attached to it, yeah. it's better. And I'm, I think my biggest concern, not for me, cause I'm not going to read the books cause fantasy can fuck off. It's too long. It doesn't need to be that long. I don't understand why people I'm not just, patient enough to be up to be I don't fair. understand why that has to be a trope of the genre. I mean, the Harry Potter books aren't 200,000 words each, are they? No, no. Oh, well, the last one kind of got up there, I think. But the the thing with J.K. Rowling is, like, love her or hate her, but she, um, she knew the ending before she started the first book. So she worked backwards from the ending. So she must, like, she had a concrete plan for how she was going to get to that ending. It shows, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and, like, her system of, like, you know, the years of high school and stuff would have really helped plan that out. But there's no reason why you couldn't do that with some other benchmark with other stories. I'm sure he has an ending in mind. Of course he does, but I it's like... I think he's said it before that it's just a hill full of, you know, gravestones or something. I mean, he might have been joking or being facetious or whatever, but mm. he's got an ending in mind. He 100% he does, but... Like, I don't know, you just, wouldn't that sort of spur you as the, like, oh, you know, I'll get to the end, like, you know, finish the marathon and 
get the story out of you kind of thing because, you know, I got the impression that, you know, JK kind of worked like that, whereas he probably... Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, her standard of good enough, you know, not getting in the way of grade or perfectionism or whatever it might be, was clearly very, very, very good. Yeah. And, again, like, she's a masterful storyteller, even if she's not was. as... Pe- You've yeah. seen Fantastic Beast. <laughs> She wrote that, right? Mm, yeah, so, well... I mean, who knows how it got hacked up or whatever, but yeah. my God, what a travesty of a movie. And I'm not a Harry, big Harry Potter fan, but I really liked Fantastic Beasts, the first one. Yeah. And the second one, what the fuck was that? Yeah, well, the, the play, the stage play is doing very well, The Cursed okay. Child, so... You know. I'm not saying she's lost it. Sorry, it was, it was an un- Mate, unfair... Mate, she's doing a lot, all right? It was an unfair dig, but that... You know, she's also got some polarizing tweets to make every day so yeah that's true. you know Gotta make time for the tweets <laughs> <laughs> but i think i'm trying to think of an, uh, another person who's got this problem but i can't think of anyone george rr R. martin has the super unique problem of having not finished this source that's being the source material that's being adapted and now that it has been finished the adaptation and was very divisive, to put it lightly. Yeah. He now has the problem of if that was his original ending, mm-hmm. and not in its execution, but if that was the plot, was his original ending, he's going to have a massive case of, holy fuck, what am I doing? Yeah. If it's not even, the expectations for the book to be better just went up a whole lot more. It probably would have if it was great anyway. Like, it would have been like, oh, shit, is it going to be different? Is it going to be the same? But there's a, I feel like there's a lot of pissed-off fans, not just us who watch the TV show, but, like, the people who read the books and then watch the TV show yeah. are now going, oh, fuck. Like, okay, is this what I have to look forward to? Yeah. It's, um, and, I, like, either way, the pressure is on when the TV adaptation overtakes the novels because it's not like the fans that read everything before, like, you know, in a, in a fairly normal situation, you'd have the fans that have just ripped through the whole series and they're like eagerly awaiting the TV adaptation to either love it or tear it to shreds. Yeah. Um, and instead you've got a series that wrapped up without you having finished the source material so if they hated it, the pressure is on. If they loved it, the pressure is on. There is no getting out of it. Yeah, and, and I, mean, I don't know what his blockage is. I have watched interviews with him. I don't know that he's ever had that moment of, like, I'm stuck, yeah. writer's block, or it's become too big. I don't know if he's ever had that moment. If he has, full power to you. Um, but if he has, hasn't, it just leaves people thinking... What the fuck is he doing? Yeah. Right? Well, that's the problem is... I mean, you've got to get out of the house, right? You've got to have a hobby. Yeah, of course. You can't just sit and you're in front of your computer or however he writes um, 20 hours a day, four hours of sleep, 20 hours, and just sit there and hope that it all comes out and get it done. It doesn't have to be super regimented. It is a creative work, and, and the pressure is bigger as the property has gotten bigger and more people would have bought the books because they watched the show, yep. so on and so on. But... You have one job. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, if you are committed to a saga or a series or a trilogy or whatever and it finds success, mm-hmm. I think that you've got to see it through. 
Yes. And like I feel I feel for the guy because the other thing that happens is in interviews I mean people say it not quite as harshly as this but they basically say like you're old and you're obese like Whoa. what will happen if you die before you finish it basically like they don't say it quite like that but that's heavily implied in how they word their questions and that must be awful you've seen his re- response though right no I haven't double birds Really? Yeah. And, you know, good on him. Because fuck everyone else, including me. Fuck me, George R.R. Martin. Um, you, seriously, you're obviously doing it at your own pace. Do what you've got to do to get it done. Yeah. I would, if I ever get to meet the guy, I would love to just say, hey, man, what happened? <laughs> like, like, just out of sheer curiosity, like, no judgment. I am so curious about, like, was it writer's block? Was it you just kept writing and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, one sequel became two, became three, became, holy fuck, there's a spinoff. And you got, or you got excited about something else or you lost the magic, you lost the love. So you had to go find it Yeah. again. Some would love to just talk about that. And like, I mean, I kind of got, Game of Thrones fatigue there for a while with just it being like just dominating everyone's conversations for months on end, like in the lead up, then through it, then aftermath of every season. Like it must have just given him the shits, you'd think. Like just like, oh, shut up. Like and the last thing you want to do is go and immerse yourself in that world that you're sick of hearing about and everybody's got an opinion on it and everybody's asking you what's happening and what's finished and what you think and what you feel. And did you like the casting and do you like this? And when's the next book? Like it'd drive me mad. I'd just say, you know, and then it was all a dream. There you go. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like, yeah. So mm. I'm sure. Yeah. I hope that he executes on his vision and, uh, people, it resonates with people. That's what I hope. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do. I am more than anything, immensely curious about how how it takes this long. I mean, what a privileged position though, right? For the the sort of top tier writers who have residual checks of you know, income coming in that is beyond what we get paid for work they've done once years ago. Oh yeah. Um, and that's not to detract from any of the effort. I'm not trying to say they don't deserve it or anything like that, but you literally don't have to worry about money. No. Don't worry about money, dog. Now, what do you want to write? And- Assumedly, his pub- I mean, his publishers haven't fucking sued him, right? No. Which is something they probably could do. I don't know that they ever would because that's not a good look, is it? We're going to sue our writer who is contractually obliged to us to finish this creative piece of work. Yeah. Yeesh. You know, like, it's, it, but it kind of puts them between a rock and a hard place. I'm sure they're still making plenty of bank over selling, you know, reselling older issues with Kit Harrington on the cover or whatever the fuck they do, you know, when a show comes out. Oh, yeah. Got to collect them all. They're a bit like Pokemon for <laughs> the hardcore people. They buy every cover. Is that a thing? Do people do that? Yeah. Yeah? With yeah, books? Pro- probably. Yeah, they take up a lot of space. People do it with uh, records. Well, that makes sense. They don't take up that much room when you no. put them in a shelf. Yeah, like there's an album that I've got like five copies of because the covers were different in like three countries and then there was like a bonus a different cover so yeah and that doesn't even take up the space of one of his goddamn books no let alone ten editions of his one one of yeah. his goddamn books it's one of six I don't know how many there are five six 
stacks. So we've just turned into a book and TV show uh, podcast. I don't know if you are keeping track of that. <laughs> I can help. Picked yeah. up a new audience. Let's Woo! breeze on through to the last of the movies that have come out of late. Mm-hmm. We've seen this one. The Invisible Man. Uh-huh. What do you think of that, Katie? Should we do the spoiler warning? Do you want to talk about spoilers? No. Let's not talk. Let's... Let's try to not talk about spoilers. Okay. Everyone, if you're going to watch The Invisible Man, uh, we're going to try not to spoil it, but fast forward a bit if you don't want to hear about it at all. Three, two, one. Invisible Man starts now. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So I thought it was the execute. Like I knew kind of what the story was before going in and, you know, the title kind of gives it away a little bit. Um, But... I, I thought the execution was a lot better than I expected. I thought that it would be a hard thing to pull off and actually still be thrilling. Um, Elizabeth Moss is an amazing actress, but she is kind of getting typecast a bit of late, I feel. Of oh, the Handmaid's Tales. The well, she's Handmaid's just like Tales. What? this morose, like stringy-haired, sad person running from a disaster of psychological proportions in just about everything I've seen her in recently. God damn, she does it well. (laughs) That she does. That she does. (laughs) But she was, you know, there's this, there's Handmaid's Tale, there's, what is it called? Top of the Lake, China Girl or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming it's like that. Gwendolyn Christie is in that as a New South Wales police officer. How weird is that? I do need to watch that for the accent. Yeah. <laughs> Pull over, dickhead. Did you know you were speeding? Um, no. <laughs> no, I definitely need to see it. That better be in there. Um, yeah, Get Out. She was a similar character and then sort of now this. So I think she's like, she doesn't have quite as many layers as Tony Collette, so they can't chuck her in like lots of horror films where they need the audience to actually be terribly frightened. So, right. Yeah. I don't quite think she's at that skill level, but what do I know? Um, yeah, she's, but she is really compelling as an actress, I think, um, which is a shame because she's a Scientologist. So, uh, that, a yeah, when I found out about that, I was sort of like, oh, okay. just take some of the wind out of your sails, right? It does, but do love me some Tom Cruise, yeah. the actor. And he's the king Scientologist. He is. Yes. I'm jumping on the couch now. You can't see it. Yes. He is one rung below Xenu, I believe. Oh, really? Is that a good place to be? Well, I mean, Xenu is the fictional. Whoa, way. Allegedly (laughs) fictional. (laughs) Yeah, the thing. I don't know. Look, I haven't. I've picked up little bits here and there throughout my life and I'm choosing to mash it into my assessment of the religion as just like some sort of shitty comic book that I wouldn't read past about two issues. So Xenu, is that that Olivia, Olivia Newton-John movie? No, that's Xanadu. Ah, oh, fuck. Is that, Xenu. That's the third run. <laughs> <laughs> You'd watch uh, it. Yeah, I would. I mean, if, I watch Battlefield. If Olivia Newton-John was dressed as Xenu and was on roller skates singing about Scientology, I would break both legs running to the cinema to watch that. 
Someone else's legs? You'd, why would you break your legs running? Because I'd be someone? running at such a hard pace that my body would not keep up with my ambition. You'd be the flash. Yeah. I might actually catch fire. Whoa. Yeah. Like, honestly, that is an image I won't forget. Uh, You're welcome. And it's not even real, but I won't forget it. Yeah. So, um, but she is she is fabulous as, as an actress, really, if you can put all that aside. Um I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, you know, the beating of people and the rape that I struggle with. And, Not her. I'm talking about actors, you know, when you... Yeah. We talked about it before. I can't do Kevin Spacey movies anymore, even the ones that I've loved, because I just can't see his face. I can't do it. Yeah, that's a, that was a real bummer. That's that tough one. to get past. Yeah, it is. But then, like, Harvey Weinstein made movies, but because I don't have to see his stupid fucking face. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And plus, pretty much everyone who was involved with them has gone like, oh my fucking God, holy shit. Fuck that guy, but please still like our movies because we don't like him. Yeah. Hey, cool. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. And look, just on the Harvey Weinstein thing, like I won't go into the whole court case thing. Um, He was found guilty of assault and rape and other things, so... Obviously, fuck you, you piece of shit, but... Guess we can drop a legend, hey? Yeah. Um, so uh, the thing that, like, a, a lot of people are focusing on, you know, that story, and it's it's obviously horrible, but, like, this guy is such a, a piece of shit right till the end um, that he was using, a like, a Zimmer frame to walk into court for the hearings and all of that, like, as a feeble sad old man, um, you know, it probably uh, something that his law, like his legal team put him up to to garner sympathy of him just being this wretched shell of a man. Um, when he was found guilty, he just kind of walked around without it. So it's like, it's a miracle! If the Zimmer frame don't fit. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, oh, my God. Like, And apparently he's, like, one of the key pieces of evidence that linked him to several indecent assaults was the fact that he has such a terribly munted penis that several women identified it. I was hoping you'd bring this up. Yeah. um, It sounds like that kind of slanderous shit that, you know, like, oh, Hitler, he, he, he had one, one nut and, and, you know, uh, pus came, came out of his, came out of his nipples all the time. Yep. Yep, and his eyes used to fall out when he sneezed, and like they just people just keep adding, and everyone's like, "Well, he was a cunt." Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. I mean, why not? I'm not going to defend the man. No, no, <laughs> that's right. He could say anything. But this has been verified and corroborated. Well, it's part of the reason he got convicted. Yeah, does that like, mean he had to get up and? Like, he, we're going to need the the jury is going to need to see that. Yes. Yes. Wow. That actually happened. I'm pretty sure. Um, But the other thing is that uh, several assistants that used to work with him had to testify that that he used to make them, like, inject something into it that eventually just sort of shriveled it up, like, because he was addicted to some, like, boner needle that fucked it all up. So I don't know. I mean, you've got to feel sorry for him, right? That must have been so humiliating and... And degrading, right? Like <laughs> nobody else connected to Harvey Weinstein would know what that's like, right? Don't you think? <laughs> Very know. unique position to be in, you fucking piece of shit. Sorry. <laughs> but what it like? I don't know. I just it got, it gets more bizarre. Like, and I'm so glad that he got convicted because I was convinced that 
that was going to be a, oh, we couldn't do it. He's so. going to appeal, right? Well, probably, but he's in jail. Okay. Like he's, yeah. And um, convicted rapist. Yes. So but you could see him in the street if they ever let him out and say, hey, you're a convicted rapist and there's no slander or anything. No. Nah. I kind of like that. Yeah, and it, it, look, it's, it's obviously cold comfort for the many people that were affected. 100%. And, and, and it's more like, you know, it doesn't change the fact that lots of people were affected, their families, like I'm sure people's parents, friends, family were also dealing with all the fallout of what's happened to them. But there was also several people who, like, lost out a career because they wouldn't do stuff with him. So, yeah, I'm really glad that one of the shitty-ass pillars of Hollywood is now behind bars. And, yeah, the epicentre <laughs> yeah. of this Hiroshima-level fuckfest yeah. is this dude with his shriveled cock. I know. It's like, did you ever see that episode of The Simpsons where Marge paints Mr. Burns? Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. Although far less, like, tragic and beautiful, it's more just like a cane toad that's sort of been half squashed and is just letting out its last little <laughs> by the side of a Brisbane highway. It's a Queenslander, I'm offended. No, you're not. Go Queenland. Go Queenland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hello to Queensland listeners. So that was Katie's thoughts on The Invisible Man. <laughs> no, look, it, it is, um, it, it's a decent take on sort of thriller action, I think. It's a little bit slow in parts. Um, the battered wife setup. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to doubt myself now. The, I just thought the original one was dude discovers some sort of formula that makes him invisible and he kind of loses his mind a bit yeah. because of the formula. Probably misremembering. And then lots of bandages, mm. right? And then like a hat, glasses, because they probably didn't have the special effects at the time to actually make him too invisible. Yeah. Was that meant to be a remake? Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, like, it's it's a take on a universal property, right? Well, yeah, yeah. That's okay. what I I also find particularly interesting for, for anyone who was keeping track at home, that all five of you, that uh, Universal made a big statement about making the Dark Universe. Do you remember this? Yeah. And the Dark Universe kicked off with Tom Cruise's reboot of The Mummy, which, by the way, for the record, cops way more hate than it should. No, it's not amazing, but it's not a fucking giant piece of shit. No. It's just mediocre at best. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> and, yeah, like, I'm all for shitting on shit movies, but we've seen Hellboy yeah. remake. Like, this is not Hellboy remake level. It just doesn't hold a candle to the legitimate, still fantastic, except for some of the less than stellar special effects, 1999 Mummy with Brendan Fraser, which is basically Indiana Jones rebirthed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what was it, Billy Zane? No. Billy Zane? Was the Billy Zane thing in the Phantom? Yeah. <clears throat> hey, he slams evil. I'm never going to forget that. We should definitely do an episode on that. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Yeah, I think maybe, it, yeah. I watched them close together maybe. Yeah, I can't remember when. Billy Zane? No, no, he wasn't in. He wasn't in the Mummy. No, no, and it was. You think uh, of Arnold Vosloo, like maybe. the bald yeah. Mummy guy? Yeah. Because Billy Zane did go through a bald phase. He did. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he's a cool, dude. Um, and Sp Scorpion King was the spin-off, right? Yeah, uh, Scorpio King, I believe. 
Oh, is it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was going to do a star sign thing, but then I realized I don't know what the fuck Scorpios are in that. So Don't yeah. stab yourself with a machete today. It could hurt. Rock, yeah. raise your eyebrow. <laughs> uh, yeah, Scorpion King. I liked it, but I was young. I've only seen it once. So, And I'd like me some rock. Yeah. And also, rock makes me sound like a junkie. I like me some rock. <laughs> I'll meet you in the toilet. <laughs> oh, purple lights, get fucked. <laughs> the Mummy Returns, I also enjoyed. Yeah. Nowhere near as much as the first one. It's one of those situations which we'll touch on later in the episode, actually. But one of those situations where you feel sorry for the writer-director because he makes The Mummy. <clears throat> now, The Mummy comes out in 1999, right? This is... Fucking better have come out in 1999. Anyways, we'll find out. Yeah, Let's just did, assume it, it did in my it, mind. It did. It did. So it's coming out against fucking Star Wars. Yeah. <clears throat> the Phantom Menace. Now, we didn't know The Phantom Menace was going to suck. No, we didn't. Who, who even thought that? Like, it never crossed my mind that a Star Wars movie could be disappointing. Did you alone. think it sucked at the time, though? <clears throat> I went and saw... A midnight screening with my brother, Toddles McGee. Not his real name, but that's what everyone calls him. If you run into him, definitely call him Toddles. He'll love it. Uh, midnight screening. This was, I think it was the first time they'd done a midnight screening. Now, this is like they were doing movie marathons, but this was just like this is a big fucking deal. Toomble Cinemas, for anyone who lived in Brisbane, were the fucking worst cinemas in the world. <laughs> I used to call them the piss cinemas because they smelt like piss. This is not an exaggeration. They smell like piss, and when we went to a movie marathon, me, Toddles, and Dad, <laughs> a drunk, I don't know, possibly homeless, who knows, drunk lady came in, got in the row in front of us, spewed on herself, oh. and passed out. And the good thing was we they had the aircon behind us, so it was blowing all that smell down. So everyone downwind was, like, fucked. And then security came, escorted her out, someone cleaned it, and, and whatever. But that is the best way to describe that cinema. Like, and it seriously smelt like piss. Are you okay, Queensland? Are you okay, Brisbane? They shut it down <laughs> and they, they, they built it again. It's a lot nicer now, although I feel like I can still, I visited, revisited it a couple of years ago and I feel like I could, you know, like a phantom limb. Yeah. I could phantom smell piss. Uh, or maybe I could just smell piss. Maybe you could just smell a phantom menace. Phantom menace, yes. Back on track. Thank you, Katie. Uh, Todd and I walked home from the screening in complete silence. Who the fuck sees a movie that they've been anticipating? And bear in mind, we were both in high school and we had to get up at like 5.30 to get school. to school on time. So we're finishing at like 2.30, we're getting home at three. We are on two, two and a half hours sleep. We're fucking hardcore Star Wars motherfuckers. Wow. Walked home in silence. We were both... I was in shock for two weeks. Hey, man. Yeah, you saw it. How was it? I'm like, yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. No. And I was like, holy fuck, it was shit. And I saw it two more times to verify. Like, it's, it's bad. That's pretty bad. This is... But I was in denial. You know, as a, as a young one, you get excited about everything. Yeah. Every game is amazing. Every TV show is fucking awesome. Every movie, except for The Sound of Music, is genius. I'm only saying that mum will never listen to this because she made us watch it way too many times. The Sound of Music. Fucking hate that I movie. I fucking hate that I movie. I hated that movie as a kid. But apart from that, it was the idea of like the TV was like this sacred thing outside of the boring news. It was like this entertainment station, entertainment destination. And 
you know, four brothers we had to share. Yeah. So any game we played, we had to play together or pass the controller or co-op or whatever. Co-op was awesome. Uh, competitive was less so because, <laughs> because I beat my brothers and they get upset. Uh, so TV and movies and, and we were on restricted movies and whatnot. So it was awesome. Mm. But then you get to a certain age where you're like, that movie was kind of shit. Oh, so you start to develop taste and what you do and don't like. Not every movie with explosions or a certain actor is amazing. So I was like 15, I want to say, at this stage, around there. And I was at a stage where I liked what I liked. I didn't like what I didn't like. Mm. But that blindsided me. It's like that, what was that movie, Fanboys? Have you seen Fanboys? No. It's the one where the the kids have a friend who's dying of cancer. And it's like it's a bit of a comedy as well. And they try to break into Skywalker uh, Ranch. Mm-hmm to see an early copy of The Phantom Menace because they, they think their buddy's going to die. Yeah. Or I think maybe he is going to die before the movie comes out. Like, it's a kind of a really sad, dark premise for a comedy. Yeah. But, hey, you know, they roll with it, and that's probably why it was a bit average. And they've got lots of cameos from famous Star Wars actors. They've got a fucking William Shatner turns up from Star Trek. Obviously, I know that Trekkies, please don't tracky me down. Um, and it's... It's a cool idea with not the best execution. But anyways, it ends with them in the cinema. Phantom Menace is about to start. After all of these trials, they've tried to get to, to, to watch this movie with their mate. And they turn to each other and they say, what if it sucks? That's how the movie ends. And I was Ooh. like, fuck, it's such a good way to end it. Because everything leading up to that is just... Nobody, nobody is sitting there going, what are we chasing here? It's like, we're fucking chasing Star Wars, man. Our buddy's going to die. He's been hanging out for it. We're going to see Star Wars. And nobody sat down and said, what if, what if it's shit? That was me. That was me. Anyways, back to the Invisible Man. <laughs> far be it from me to tangent. Far <laughs> be it from us to tangent. I never do it. It's never me. Uh, yeah, I liked... I liked. So if that, assuming that is new, I think there were elements of it. I'm remembering the Kevin Bacon. Do you remember the Kevin Bacon version? It's called Hollow Man. Yes. Yeah, fucking creepy. I Very rapey. Yeah, but I thought it was better than The Invisible Man. Yeah, I'd be keen to go back and watch it, actually. I do remember enjoying it. Uh, some of the special effects, I'm sure, wouldn't hold up. Do you remember that one shot of him on the table when he's starting to go invisible? Yeah. And it's like he starts losing visibility layer by layer? Yeah. Very clever. That was, and the, yeah, that, that looked, it still looks good. I, I reckon it won't. But I'm happy to be wrong on that, like because this is like what early 2000s, maybe. Yeah, no, it's, 90s. it still looks all right. I, I actually watched it probably a year ago. Did you? Yeah. Hollow Man. Yeah. Without me. Yeah. Oh, okay, we'll talk about that later. We'll circle back to that. I remember watching a behind the scenes thing on how they made the the tit squeeze happen. Oh really? You know how he like pops his, pops a tit out and yeah. squeezes it, but he's invisible. But you also still see the imprint. And that was something yeah. I was looking for in this Invisible Man movie, which. Spoilers, they didn't do that well. <laughs> yeah. um, but they did all the other stuff quite well in terms of the invisible presence and the interactions with the world when this invisible person was top-notch. But that was one of the things I was looking out for was that to see if they could do that attention to detail of what it looks like for uh, a hand to grab you, right? Obviously, I'm grabbing my hand now for everyone at home. You can't see it on my arm. Uh, and as Katie can see, there would be like my skin goes in. Like yeah. if, if you're grabbing someone hard... You, you can would, you can see the, the skin move to the yeah. contour and if, of the Yeah, if I hand, was invisible yeah. or my hand was invisible, you would see that 
clearly that someone, holy fuck, some sort of ghost has grabbed you because I can see that it looks like someone has your arm, not just like, oh, Katie, someone's got me. And you're like, what are you, what are you doing? You're just moving your arm around like a wanker. Type yeah, thing. yeah, it's yeah. Like, holy fuck. You would get past that suspension of disbelief, I think, pretty quick because you'd be like, there's no fucking hand there, but, but it looks like there's a hand there, yeah, right, based yeah. on the impact. Same as getting slugged in the face and blood coming out of your nose and anyways. I, I thought that there were mo- – like it almost lost me in places where it didn't quite keep the tension even. Um, and it like it descended. It almost dipped me out of wanting to know more. I was like, oh, this is going on. This scene's going on for fucking far too long. Um, but – to my surprise, like it just reeled me back in when I thought I was checking out. That's a really good skill. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's um, not all of it's great, but no. I did think it was enjoyable. Um, there was just like movie idiocy kind of gets to me at times, you know, when you've got like professional law enforcement people that do something really dumb and then like five, six others are like, we just saw this really dumb thing happen. Let's all do that. Oh, and he's dead, but we'll try it again five times. Like, yeah. Um, It's sort of like, you know, you watch those really shitty horror films and it's like, don't go into the barn, Janet. And Janet's like, I'll just hide in this barn where the maniac was last seen. You know, that sort of stuff grinds my gears a bit. So, yeah. It's Um, stupid decisions to drive the plot forward. Well, and Whether it it happens to a main character or a supporting character, you're like, that's dumb. Yeah, it's actually, it. yeah, it's... you, you've deliberately made a character well below average intelligence to drive this forward. It ruins immersion. <laughs> yeah. And I think it robs the story of an opportunity to do something better. Like, cause that's yeah. the low hanging fruit, right? Like, oh, okay. Cops come in, they do dumb shit and then they keep doing dumb shit. Yeah. Like, okay. That's a good draft idea. What if the first one does dumb shit and then they start doing moderately intelligent shit and then they start reacting to the situation properly? How does that escalate and how does that look? Yeah. <laughs> it's an invisible man. Uh, yeah. And what they do with the actual invisible man is cool. I like what they did there. I like that they did something different. Uh, not going to ruin anything. Mm-hmm. Although they do flag it pretty hard early on, I think. And also avoid the fucking trailers because I picked it from the trailer. Yeah. Uh, they give away something in a shot that they really shouldn't give away. But you know why they put it in there. Goddamn market is butchering every fucking movie. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't. I didn't love it. It don't think about the ending too hard, like me, or it will lose you because not completely lose you, but you'll be like, oh, that does actually doesn't work. They didn't stick the landing there because yeah. of logical reasons. <laughs> and then there's characters that are just like, what? Why are you doing this? And you're a cop one minute, and now you're like this scared dude running away from the main character because the plot says you have to leave. Yep. And I I think Lee Fanel, I want to say, W-H-A-N-E-L-L from the top of my head. Yep. I like his stuff. I think uh, he's a very talented Australian as well, uh, writer, director. He started off writing Saw movies. He was in the Saw movie. He was the guy who wasn't Carrie Owls in the first Saw movie, who was locked in the bathroom, chained in the bathroom with him. Yeah. So, and I quite liked him as an actor in that. So I, I'm very interested to watch what he does. I'd like to support home home talent when it's not usually making movies in Australia because they're usually shit. Mm. Uh, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But 
I feel like he's kind of like a a guy who has really good ideas. Yeah. He has an eye for like uh, action sequences. He can clearly do tension because he's got a horror background and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. when he does it well, he does it well. But it's sort of more like I would love to see what he can do when he pushes himself a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much of it is that, him going, okay, no, this works and, and that'll do and instead of going, is there any other way? Could it be elevated? Could be could it be made better? Can I push this? Can yep. Maybe can I bring in someone else to have a different perspective? And how much of it is Bloomhouse syndrome? Yeah, yeah. Because Bloomhouse makes good movies. Occasionally it makes great movies. Does it make amazing movies? No. Not in my opinion. I think they make bank on the um, low-budget, massive box office comparatively yeah. formula. Like and that's it's great. N- it's not massive, but if you pay $4 million, like, including marketing yeah, for, and then you for make a movie, 80, then you're a fucking roaring success. And that's yeah. come from Saw. Yeah. All of that has come from Saw, the, the micro-budget to modest by Hollywood standards budget yeah. horror slash thriller slash fucking anything yep. that can get bums on seats around that time of year, which is usually Halloween-ish time of year for horror movies, right? If you can mm, yeah. make it, what, PG or PG-13? Uh, yeah, but yeah. this wasn't. I doubt this was. No, it was... This was MA, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like which is good. Australia, yeah. Because don't, so. don't fucking make shit PG-13. There's another one they released recently called Fantasy Island. That was on my list from... The other week. Is this based on the TV show? From Can you tell me what the TV show... Was the TV show really happy and positive? Yeah. And there was like a guy that was like, welcome to fun. Oh, yeah. So they've perverted it. Oh. I I love when people do that. So I'm actually really interested to see it. But the reviews, the commonality seems to be, oh, it's the PG-13 market. So they've, they've taken an idea. They've twisted it to be something new. Fucking cool. Let's look at this through a different light. And then they've gone, and let's slap a PG-13 rating on it so we can get the most bums on seats and make the most money, which means that when you watch the trailer, you're like, shit, this looks like it's going to get dark. And you know that they can't. And it's not to say that you cannot imply stuff and it can be effective. You don't need to see every little bit of gore. We don't need to see gratuitous anything. doesn't need to have fuck, 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 fuck every five seconds like this podcast. Goddamn right. But I feel like you do limit you're limited, right? You're literally limited when you're making a horror movie that's now PG-13. Well, it means that it's very difficult for it to be classified as a horror film, I'd argue. Um, because okay. any any themes that are truly terrifying are probably not okay to introduce to a 13-year-old, even with parental guidance. That's a good point, because it's um, not just what you see or hear it's, it's like the adult themes well the, I think I think it can be a th- it can be thrilling yeah like I think things can happen like you can still have like a murderer people know that like at 13 that people kill other people or something like that like that's still a I guess an adult theme that you know a 13 year old with parental guidance could you know understand and you know, get that sort of spooky, thrilling kind of experience from it. Um, but, yeah, like, there, there's sort of, for me, I you know, there's two kind of types of horror and there's, like, the gore thing, 
which like torture porn. Well, torture porn and gore, like um, the remake of the Evil Dead. I haven't seen it. Have you? Yeah. Um, I hear it's fucked up. Yeah, like I um, I'm really immune to like blood and guts and stuff like that. Like I, you know, I I've seen a lot of it and it you know it really doesn't scare me anymore especially when it's like a ghost or a vampire or something that's not real like i've i it has zero effect on me but this was such extreme gore in parts even i was like oh like it wasn't scaring me but it was like too much it's unsettling yeah 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 and, and and is that a bit of a crutch though i mean i haven't seen the movie but that's what for me I was never interested in watching anything that was torture porny, and I don't count Saw as torture porn. I'm talking about the first one. That I think they became torture porn in that they just focused. They thought that the focus should be on the violence. It's actually the traps and yeah. linking the trap to the sin of the person, as seen through the lens of Jigsaw or whatever. Yeah, and the, and the psychology more than absolutely. The, yeah. It's a psychological thriller that happened to be allowed to have gore. Yeah. So when you know, you do see gore, it's effective because yeah. it's used, not so like necessarily sparingly, but it's, it's definitely used effectively as opposed to something like Hostel, which I never had any interest in watching because mm. violence for the sake of violence will make people feel uncomfortable. I mean, fucking Saving Private Ryan makes people feel uncomfortable for a yeah, reason. Yeah. It's not torture porn. It's because it's doing a realistic depiction of what war would look like and we've kind of up until that point, put it on this pedestal of World War II being this thing where bullet strikes you and you might see a little bit of blood or dust kick up and you fall over and that's it. Oh, that guy's dead. Sad music kicks in. Not, holy fuck, that guy's guts are in his hand and he's crying for his mum. Yeah. Super confronting, super effective uh, yeah. and immediately sets the tone. And, and yeah, it makes you feel uncomfortable. But well, it's uncomfortable and I think that that adds another layer there because it's actually, it, it's not so far from... A real experience, yeah, and that is the that that's the horrific part. And torture porn is just yeah. Well, it's like the Evil Dead. I'm not scared that we're like, gonna make you uncomfortable. Yeah, like I'm not scared that you know uh, supernatural beings are gonna come and tear me apart at night. But you know, wars are real. <laughs> like well, it's, Silent know. Hill was. Oh man, that was awesome. Yeah, we've got to rewatch it. I haven't seen the second one. It looks like. A garbage fire, uh, but it's Kit Harrington's in it. So, oh, is he? Yeah, and Sean Bean's back, so we've got to see that. Uh, it's pronounced Scene Bean. He's probably going to die in it. Uh, that was before he put in his contract. Or nowadays, I don't think he wants to be in movies where he dies. Spoilers, Sean. Um, but which is fair enough because that, that's man- like a, a Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He was always like dying or about to die and everything. He's changed that. Yeah, he has. But he was still. in uh, Rampage. <laughs> oh, sick. Was that that based on that game with like dinosaurs kicking cars and shit or whatever? Rampage is a fucking awesome arcade game. Did you ever play it? Yeah. You climb up the building. Yeah. And you fucking smash into windows, grab a person, eat them. It's it's just like just destroy shit. It's like a break room. It, it's the hyper realism of that game that really got me though. Holy fuck! And that's what they they were like they tried <laughs> to tell a story. There's know, nothing wrong with not telling a story. And ha- not having fleshed out characters and we are the- like a Transformers movie. This is what I never understood about why the studios didn't rein in Michael Bay. He's making two and a half hour movies like he's telling some fucking epic story. Michael, no, baby, 
keep it to a tight 90 minutes. Yeah. You've only got 15 minutes of Transformers in there anyway. When someone did that video on the, like, here's 20 minutes. This is every fucking Transformers fight and all the, the first three movies. Now there's like 20, I don't know. Holy shit, that was confronting. Yeah. But I really liked the first movie and I don't think it was two and a half hours. I think it was two hours. It was still too long. It still had too much world building. It's fucking giant robots in disguise beating the shit out of each other. I don't need any more context than that. No. No, it's, you know, sometimes you just want to watch a movie that, you know, I like movies like Demolition Man. You know, I just want to see guns and, you know, dumb one-liners. Nothing wrong with that. Guns Akimbo looks like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, get a bad guy and get, like, a badass guy to go after him and there's, like, a cool chick and then a, I don't know, like a bug or something. A nerd. Yeah, like a, yeah, or, like, a cool dog. Still a place for that. Yeah, like, just... Yeah, that's Remember what battleships? I, yeah. Remember they made battleships into a movie? Yeah. And they tried to tell this big fucking story? Uh, no, just you're like, blow shit up. You've been handed a turd, but yeah. you've got a big budget. Like, nobody... Wa- fucking Pirates of the Caribbean is to blame. There's no way that movie should have worked. We're taking a fucking ride from Disneyland that has the most threadbare of stories. I don't want yeah. to fucking call it a story. It's a fucking... Context. Yeah. You float through a context and a situation and a scene where you can kind of imply that there's some sort of story happening there. It is not meant to be sat through for a long time or thought about. You roll on to the next one before you think too hard about what's happening because it probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Why they're dunking some guy up and down into a barrel of some shit because it doesn't make any fucking sense. No. That first movie, though, what the fuck? Yeah. They ran with it. You know that Disney wasn't expecting it to be a hit. No. Because when it was, they were like, ah, yeah, we want two back-to-back. And the writers said, what is our absolute deadline? And they delivered the two scripts on that day. And you can see the problems of that. And this is going to become a theme of this episode. But It really will. When you fucking rush, when you rush the writing. Now... They'd also written it as a self-contained story, which is why Curse of the Black Pearl is awesome. Yeah. Because And the writers talk about it in the behind-the-scenes thing, talking about we had to make up shit, like the thing on Jack Sparrow's hair, like on one of his dreads, yeah. is actually this token that has some weird mystical power that yeah. bound a fucking sea god. What the fuck? They are digging so deep. And I have a massive uh, soft spot for Dead Man's Chest. Oh, yeah, totally. I think Davy Jones is amazing. Not only does he look amazing, not only will he look amazing 20, 30, 40, 500 years from now. Yeah. ILM did a bang-up job on him. Bill Nye Mm. put that... If you need an old man to play anything, I'm sorry, Michael Caine, Sir Michael Caine, move the fuck on. Alfred. Alfred, if you will. Bill Nye, and you, you watch his performance in the movie, it's amazing. You watch him behind the scenes? Yeah. It's insane. Have, have you seen the behind the scenes stuff? I haven't, no. So he's in this, you know, he's in the CG gimp suit. He's got all the dots on his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a fucking, like, fake claw. Like a tentacle sort of. No, no, not, not anything like that. But Because one of his hands is a crab claw. The other one, I think, is a tentacle. Yeah, yeah. So they've, they've for reference, they've given him, like, this rubber crab claw hand. And he's acting like that is his costume. Really? Like, he is such a professional that he is just 
in it. In that moment, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. I look like a fucking idiot, but I am Davy Jones, and this is my Davy. It's like he's a he's a he's somehow been given community service to be in a high school play. Wow. And they're like, here's your, here's your suit, <laughs> Mr. Nye. And it's like this $10 thrown together by, I don't know, some disinterested mum. <laughs> and he's wearing it like, he's like, you know what? I'm going to rock it. And he rocks it. And that's why. The, the, the way that it ties together, the way that they bring in Will Smith... Will Smith? Will Turner? Oh, my God. Will my, Smith. My name's Wow. Today. That would have been a very different movie. Will yeah. Turner. He'd, it'd just be Will Smith playing Will Smith. Orlando Bloom actually becomes interesting in the second one because he gets a decent storyline that's not just, I love Elizabeth. I want to be with Elizabeth. Yeah, that's really bad. It gets smashed with, like, he's like, fuck, it's my dad. And I came here to, you know, Party. help Elizabeth. Yeah. But- my dad's trapped. I never met him. I'm a man of honor. I'm going to save my dad. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. So, and then when it gets to the end and there's like the three of them fighting with the swords and it's a bit ridiculous and whatnot, but it works because they're all, they all want something. They all want the same thing. Everyone's racing to the same finish line. Plot wise, it's really well constructed. I mean, the, the third movie falls the fuck apart and it, you, it becomes that problem like Transformers movies, uh, movies, I imagine, where it's just like they don't know what they're doing, so they just stretch it out. Mm. Oh, I don't know what to do. Just fill, just fill the room with talk. Talk, 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 talk. Just, just keep talking. The teacher won't know I'm not actually participating. Yeah. If, if I just keep talking, sorry, I'm having flashbacks to uni. Class participation does not equal making noise, motherfucker. It means engaging with the topics. <laughs> Michael Bay, who was not in my class. Anyways. Or those people that would just be like, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And like, so yeah, sick. that was my review of The Invisible Man. And Katie says, I agree. <laughs> Fuck off. I gave many opinions. No, I, don't. I, was, I was messing. I was, I was riffing. I was playing. Don't. Let's move on, shall we? Um, no, you have more to say about The Invisible Man? I don't have anything to say. Go and see it. Yeah, go see it. I Look, I will say I enjoyed the technology behind the invisible part and I'm not going to give it away but I enjoyed how that came about and how it looked yeah yeah. it was something new they yeah. thought about it it wasn't just like oh and, he, and he's invisible because we would have bought that we would have bought drinks tonic has horrific magic accident you know whatever the it could have just been as low effort as that but they've actually thought about it yeah and, uh, and it works except for some of the expositional stuff around why it's happened but that's comes up a little bit in that movie. <laughs> Some of the dialogue is a bit on the nose. Yeah. But it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it's, you know, there's some good acting in it. There are moments that you'll maybe want to check out if you're a little bit impatient like I am. Um, but, yeah, stick with it. I think it's a good iteration um, but it almost, like, I thought it was just, like, a whole different take on it. I didn't think it was, like, part of the whole Invisible Man universe. No, no, I don't think it thing. is. Yeah. I, th- I think the dark, you know, sorry to return to the original point, the dark universe has been scrapped. Right. Because they had, Tom Cruise did his movie right, and then they did a photo shoot. I think Javier Bardem was supposed to be the Invisible Man. Correct me if I'm wrong. Please write into us and let me know how wrong I am when all my facts. Uh, and there was, oh, I don't know, do you remember the photo? Some other, oh, Johnny Depp was, yeah. was somebody. And I think there was a fourth. 
But they were doing like the Frankenstein story, the mummy, probably maybe Dracula. I mean, originally fucking Dracula Untold or whatever was supposed to be the start of the dark universe, but it didn't mm. didn't spark. So that's that's all of fucking Dog's Breakfast though. They didn't really execute like they didn't they didn't plan it properly. They didn't plan anything. Yeah. They just this was in the, you know, the Avengers. Everyone was getting, "Oh, where's my Avengers? I want my fucking Avengers." Yeah. They earned. They fucking earned. The Avengers. Totally. Because they built up to it. They took a risk with characters that weren't like A tier, any of them, and anyone who thinks Captain America is A tier can fuck off. Well, 100%. As is an Australian. I'm sure he is in America and in comics. But yeah, so, like, fuck the dark universe, really. <laughs> um, I think maybe the great lead in to this week's. Big film would be Birds of Prey. Which we saw. Katie did. took me to see it for my birthday in gold class, as we alluded to earlier. We did. The great pissing with all the drinks. We're not going to do Birds of Prey because it's still the movies. We're not dicks. We wait until it hits home release at the very least before we do it. And also, for me, I don't think it's the kind of movie that needs our touch. No. Me I really either. liked it. It was awesome. It's not perfect, but I really liked it. Uh, without saying anything, because it will eat into my here's my movie thing. Um, I think this is a really good example, along with things like uh, Wonder Woman, um, of DC hitting its stride in terms of the DC universe, like the cinematic universe that they're putting together. Was it or, Wonder Woman? Yeah. Aquaman. They guess they're still kind of linked, but then they did Joker, which isn't really linked to anything else, uh, and now Birds of Prey. Yeah. Maybe there was another one in there that I'm missing, but... And uh, we're not counting Nolan, right? No, no, we're talking about the recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they had a bit of a, you know, I liked Man of Steel. A lot of people had big problems with it. I, I really like it. Uh, again, not perfect, but very enjoyable for me. One of my guilty pleasure movies has an amazing Hans Zimmer soundtrack. And then they jumped straight to try to do Batman v Superman, which was the wrong move. That's, again, them not doing their lesson and going, we're DC, we've got Batman, we've got Superman, therefore we can do our Justice League effectively early or we can do our ensemble movie before we've earned it. And that Batman v Superman storyline is fucking awesome in the comics and you have to earn it and they didn't and they kind of rushed it and they gelled it together with some other bullshit and I still like Batman v Superman more than most people again don't love it definitely not a perfect movie but it wasn't wasn't as good as it should have been and then they just jumped to fucking Justice League right or was it was it Wonder Woman was before Justice League wasn't it or was it I I fucking get Batman v Superman Wonder Woman no, no, it was Justice League, Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman. Yeah. So Justice or, League was or, or a was travesty. Or Suicide Squad, a- oh, Aquaman. Yeah, Probably. Um, Birds of Prey. No, the Joker. Birds of Prey. Yeah, let's not, let's not do this. Okay. Because <laughs> they're already confusing us. Yeah, yeah. But... Like just to just to be clear, so we're not counting when obviously so Nol, uh, Nolan's not part of he's not part of this new this reimagined, but they're yeah. also like Joker proves that they're willing to not because they're not saying oh yeah this 
Joker is is linked to canon, everybody and else, he's another yeah. Joker, and Jared Leto's Joker was a later Joker, and they're not doing that. They do. They're saying, hey, you know what? Fuck it. If someone has a good story, let's just tell a good fucking story. And also, everyone liked Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot. Yeah. How you say her name? Gadot. Yeah. Gadot. Gadot. Okay. And Jason Momoa as Aquaman. So let's stick with those motherfuckers and let's mm. make movies with them. Cool. Yeah. So they're, they're not willing to throw everything out? No. Ben Affleck's no longer Batman. There's a new Batman and Robert Pattinson. Who I, the fuck I knows loved, how that'll be linked? Yeah. I loved uh, Ben Affleck Batman though. So did I. Batfleck was great. Yeah. He was cool. He was good Bruce Wayne as well. Yeah, 100%. Uh, he's a very good actor. I don't know why people would... Anyways, he wasn't necessarily in the best of movies, but... He did some good work with what he had. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that he was good. Good Batman. But yes, loved Birds of Prey. This, for me, is DC hitting their straps, and I think it's a point of difference to Marvel that I would like to explore in this week's theme. But what did you think of Birds of Prey? Is there anything else you want to say? I really liked it. I don't want to go too far into it. Um... It was, I went in with high expectations. It met my expectations. A couple of people had told me to kind of maybe curve them a little bit, but the, I think the trailers set the scene for what I wanted to see, which was a movie that didn't take itself too seriously, but still wasn't afraid to do kind of darker stuff, but it was also completely willing to be uh, completely goofball, yeah. off the chain, but it had creative action sequences mm. which is something that you don't really see that often anymore in uh, superhero movies especially because Marvel oh man what are they going to do like all of their fight scenes kind of gel into one now yeah uh, even Endgame which should have been the big whoa uh, my favourite bits of Endgame are the character moments yep. because the fight sequences are just noise really well rendered noise yeah uh, that are inseparable from the other Avengers movies in terms of let's just throw lots of enemies at them kind of thing, which works once, maybe twice, and then forget about it. But definitely please go see, if you've got a remote interest, go see Birds of Prey at the movies. I really want to get it in 4K because the, I mean, you were talking about the color, color palette. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so vibrant. Yeah. Uh, and I reckon it's going to look gorgeous uh, if you happen to have a 4K TV. Uh, I think it's going to look fantastic. I look forward to watching it again. And, and I was, it was really good. It, it's kind of bumming me out. Not that it's failed, as some places have said, but it's it's underperformed. I think that's fair to say. Uh, but definitely worth seeing. Yeah. Go see it. And, yeah, we're not going to do an episode on it because we both liked it. There's not enough Pretty much. To, to warrant it. I mean, I think my biggest thing that I would say for the fan, I mean, you can probably speak more to this, is that, I did see people saying it's not a Birds of Prey movie. No. If you're looking solely at the the comic book canon, then no. So if you are looking for that, you won't really find it. I mean, by the end, it, I guess I it think kind Harley of- does cross over in the comics, but it's not like a big thing. She's it's her not, movie, she, though. She's not the, yeah, the leading lady of it all. They should have called it Emancip- Emancipation of Harley Quinn or, or, yeah. or Harley Quinn or... Anything with Harley Quinn in the title Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Like, yeah, like it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, because they called it Birds of Prey, which, I mean, I haven't read the comics, but my understanding is it's a very specific thing and, and it didn't necessarily deliver on the expectations that go with that. But, you know, as a fan of her character from Suicide Squad, one of the few good things that about that movie, consistently good things, mm. uh, which perfectly segues into what we're going to do because... 
Katie hadn't seen Suicide Squad. And not that that's a travesty. It was just one of the hundred odd movies that I had on my list for us to do. And it felt right that once we'd seen the really good thing to go home and show you where it came from. The prequel, if you will. Yes. Now, I should say that I'm actually a massive DC fan. Right. And I much prefer DC to Marvel, and I will die on that hill. Comics? Uh, so we're talking about movies? Both? Well, comics especially. Yeah, who, who was your jam growing up? Oh, Batman. Yeah. Um, and a Green Lantern. Green Lantern was a big one. Um, oh, fuck, you must have been disappointed by... We should definitely do a Green Lantern I'm episode. Not, I'm not doing the Green Lantern episode. You don't want to do that? No. You don't have thoughts on how to make it better? You loved it? Of course I have thoughts. You don't want to do it? Too Just devastated. Too, too, oh, we'll walk you through that. Send in lots of emails and say that you wanted to do it and she'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm 100%. Um, and obviously Wonder Woman was, was big. And, you know, with the... Uh, the old eighties live action Wonder Woman, or it might have been seventies. Um, Not sure. I forget who that is, but yeah. I was going to say Linda Hamilton. That's completely no. Wrong. It's Linda. Linda Carter. Yes. Is it, it Linda Carter? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Me and surnames tonight. I'm, I've got the first yeah. names. I'm just going to say first name and point to you, and you can you can be the surname person. <laughs> yeah, but like even that, like that had like reruns of a of a Sunday, and I used to watch them. Like yeah, right. Yeah, I don't think I ever mom. saw it. I'm aware of it, but I never never saw it. Yeah, no, but, but DC was always the, my jam. Like, I loved the Gotham universe. and um, Well, they've got the three big ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. I think I'm not even trying to do a DC versus Marvel thing here. If you're going for household names, those three. I mean, these days, of course, with the Marvel movies, sure. Spider-Man, I would throw in there afterwards, but Batman and Superman, absolutely. And then I'd say Wonder Woman was pretty fucking up there too. Like in terms of if you said it to someone who didn't identify as a comic book reader or nerd or anything, they'd probably they'd know. know who the fuck Wonder Woman is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Batman and Superman. Yeah. And so look, I've always much preferred DC and I've always seen them as more of the risk takers than Marvel, which um, essentially at its foundations was much more family friendly. Right. Um, because even like, you know, ye olde 50s and 60s Superman still had its like less, like it still had quite violent elements even for back then. Okay. Not, not comparative to now, but. Not really that familiar with him. Um, but I just know that people got upset that he wasn't hopeful, that he was gloomy. Yeah. Like his whole shtick is supposed to be hope. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was sort of like a you know, like a beacon of hope in bleak times, like, yeah. you know, during the war and stuff like that. And like Captain America. Similar to Captain but America. better, because yeah. yeah. he, he's like a super idealised American who, by the way, is an alien. From space. In every sense of the word. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let that sink in. Which I think is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Makes it so much, I mean, that alone has aged well. But, yeah, like, and then you had, like, you know, the Billy West. no. That was Flash, wasn't it? Was Billy West Flash? Um, no, he was Batman. Was it Billy? No, Billy West is not right. It's someone West. Adam West. Adam West. Adam West. Yeah, uh, Billy West is I've the voice you of the sickness. Billy West is the voice of Jake from Adventure Time. No, 
That's John DiMaggio. Fuck. He's Fry. Billy West is Fry in Futurama and Stimpy. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Anyway. Um, From, uh, you know, you had that really campy 60s, like, when they changed the scene. Didn't know what to do with the character. Didn't really know what to do with the character, but you had, like, this, you know, you had Batman, you had uh, Catwoman who, you know, was Selina in Chanel suits and then, you know, the bad guys would burst in and she couldn't help herself but, you know, get into it and then she'd, like, pretend not to notice and lick herself like a cat. Like it was... Because that's what a cat woman does. Yeah, it was, like, really sort of bizarrely put together. But you had Cesar Romero as Joker and he's fantastic. With the moustache. Yeah. With which like, a lot of people shit on, but is that not peak Joker? Like, pretty much. does not give a fuck enough to get rid of his moustache. Like, I love that detail. Yeah, it was, a, he was contractually, um, it was contractually agreed that he didn't have to shave his moustache because that was part of his look and it was part of the parts that he was playing at the time. So it's so, it works. They it's wanted him so as Joker works. and so they let him paint it white. Um, but he's a very good Joker in my opinion for that time and for what they were trying to do. It's about the only thing that fits. It's about, yeah. Um, yeah. And look, Adam West is fine, but, and there's a cool Batmobile. There's the Batmobile that, that shape that everybody remembers as the Batmobile. I do remember it. Yeah. I don't think it was cool. All right. Sorry. Fucking Suzuki Swift. Yeah. No, that's a Batmobile. <laughs> um, but yeah, from like, so you had that, but then like from the nineties, I think DC really lent into the darkness a bit more. And that's where I thought it hit its straps. Like I always liked X-Men from Marvel, but not much else. I was never into Spider-Man or Thor or... Like, I remember reading some Thor comics and just sort of being like, eh. X-Men was juicy, though, right? Well, you remember that 90s animation? No, I never saw it. Oh, it's It's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, But, yeah, I I always respected X-Men, though I didn't watch it because, like, it was the whole idea of exploring just racism, right? And it started in the 60s. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And it was one of those cool settings where even if... I'm sure there are plenty of racists who like X-Men and don't get that the point, like like that idea of saying we're not hitting you over the head with it, yeah. but we're subtly showing you that, that this is bad. This is what happens when you segregate people and you say their yeah. shit and there are certain people that want to take a hopeful path and there are certain people that go fuck you and want to attack you. And yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, and look, the like 90, like the 90s was peak X-Men for me as well. Um, I liked Wolverine as a character. I liked the standalone Wolverine comics quite a lot. He's a cool character. He is a cool character. I like the Punisher. Oh. He's probably my favourite. Like In terms of comics and the movie, that's probably my favourite Marvel stuff. Get the fuck out. No. See, my upbringing, well, my choice was Batman and Punisher. So I didn't even do the DC versus Marvel thing. I was just like, I'm all about Batman. I'm all about Punisher. And that was it. I just read Batman and Punisher. Right. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. Punisher's awesome. Punisher's amazing. Yeah. So, but in terms, I I can really take or leave pretty much every other strain of Marvel. Like, not much. I I like the... uh, World War Two origins of Captain America. Like, I find that history interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think Chris Evans is amazing. He's fantastic. Um, but 
you know, I can, I can really take or leave pretty much everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, you know, um, if we, we, we would like to announce our movie for this week. We already have. We have? Mm. All right, well, I better hit the spoiler button then. Warning. Warning. This podcast contains spoilers. Press pause and go watch the film before proceeding, if you care. All right. So, uh, yeah, for me, Suicide Squad had all the makings of something that could have been really, really... Like it could have solidified its place as the pessimistic realism of the comic book cinematic universe. <laughs> like it, it could have like where it, you know it had grit. It wasn't afraid to be edgy and show violence for what it was. Like if you look at you know the Dark Knight versus the first Avengers film, let's say, it's like one is a like a cinematic masterpiece that is still telling a comic book story that makes you think and feel and, you know, move and dance with all the characters. And then you've got, like, being hit in the face with a bag of Skittles and that's sort of what it felt to watch Avengers. And it didn't mean that I didn't enjoy it, but it's it's very much like a Candyland action film as compared to DC, and it makes sense that the um, MCU became beloved um, because it does cater to everyone, and it's not that it doesn't have its moments of pathos, but for me, DC does that so much better, and the characters are raw and believable more so than those as portrayed in the, you know, current iterations of, of the Marvel stuff. I mean, you know, every character's got their moment, but, you know, they kind of... For, for me, it's it's not preferable and it's a bit too um, family-friendly for my liking because, you know... Yeah, well, they've gone where the money is, right? That's right. It's yeah. very smart. Uh, but it's a good point. I think I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, Avengers movie, the original one, but... I do agree that while it has some moments of very clever writing, some good characterization, it it doesn't explore the kind of darker depths that the Dark Knight manages to do with the same rating. That's right. And it's, yeah, um, for me, it, like there, 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 I'm sure that if you, if you plumb the depths of, of Marvel's various offshoots, reboots, characters die they're alive in another like tangent of the series and stuff like that like, there's plenty of moments where they could you know inject some of that more heavy hitting realism um and so i was really like when suicide squad came out i was like really enjoying i was really in, like psyched about watching it and i thought i'll really enjoy that and then the reviews started coming out about it being like the worst piece of shit ever <laughs> um and it, which is weird because it still did pretty well like really well. And you know why it did well, because you identified why it did well. The trailers. Yeah. Holy fuck, the soundtrack. Yeah. The soundtrack that they use in the movie is in the trailers. Fucking getting Queen into a Suicide Squad trailer. And I stand by any movie, including Hellboy, including the biggest piece of shit, 
you can cut together a two-minute trailer and make it look at the very least enticing, if not good or great. And Suicide Squad didn't really give us any indication of who the villain was. No. We had some crazy shit happening and there was movie websites dedicated to analysis of who is the villain, who does it look like the Suicide Squad is going up against type thing. And while you saw little bits of stuff, I don't think anybody really picked it. And I think this is one of those rare instances where the marketing team, even though they fucked over the audience in so doing, uh, saw it and went, oh, okay, we're going to steer clear of all that shit. And we're going to sell that ensemble, fun, one-liners, quick cut of action, boom, Will Smith, Margot Robbie, woo! Yeah, and it, it, look, even even in that package that, that you know, it did, it did entice me, it did make me want to go watch the film. I was psyched. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it still, um, like, it still had grit. Like, it was clear, like, I mean, you've got Harley Quinn dressed up like, you know, an anime character that's been vomited on with a bat with spikes in it, you know. Um, and as, you know, if you, if you look at each piece there, they're clearly not the shining superheroes here to save the Earth. Like, they're all assholes. Yeah. And they're all in a gang. And it's like Suicide Squad is not a family-friendly name just for starters. No. Um, but it's, like, it was supposed to be, like, you, you can still balance one-liners and humour and, you know, dumb shit and, and silly moments with, like, a, a, a heavier realism and, and violence that you'd come to expect from something set in Gotham. Gotham is not a nice place. Like... It's horrible, and that's why Batman exists. Yeah, and, and I also think that like, it's like they're Justice League all over again. They they hadn't earned Suicide Squad. No. Suicide Squad could have been 10, 20 movies from now, yeah. right? Because you're not just setting up villains from Batman. You're setting up villains from DC, different cities, and shit like that. Uh, so... <laughs> You want to kind of get the audience to meet them, know them, don't even need to like them, they can hate them. But it's it's what Sony is doing right now with uh, Sinister Six, right? Mm. Like they're setting that shit up. They're going to do it. They're going to have Venom. They're going to have Vulture and whatever that Mobius, Morbius is it? Fucking Jared Leto playing a vampire. Mm. <laughs> and I think... They, fuck they're going to do some sort of Sinister Six thing. But even though I think it's going to be complete, not a fucking shit. Yeah. They are building up to it. They haven't started with it. They haven't done one movie and go, right, we got the right. Let's do Sinister Six. They might not even do six movies, but they're going to get the characters introduced before they ensemble them. Because yeah. they've learned the correct lesson from Marvel outside of actually get a decent script because Venom was, you still haven't seen Venom, have you? No, because this is what fucking happens is inevitably you get invited to a screening that I don't get invited to and you go, I'm going to see Venom. And then, Am I and talking then, right now? Fuck, it's uncanny. <laughs> oh, and shit. then you see it and then you go, oh, my God, that was absolute shit. That's not even worth watching. I hated it. And then I go, well, life's short. I'll watch something different. Uh, it's not at all what I say. I say it's fucking absolute shit. 
but I'll watch it with you if you want to watch it. Why would I subject you to something you hated? What is our whole time? movie podcast shtick? Come on. I don't know. It is perfect for that. And you're a Venom fan, aren't you? Yeah. I'm not a fucking Venom fan. This is the perfect movie to do. I love Tom Hardy. Yeah. But that movie is a turd. You know what, though? The the night that you saw um, Venom, right? I saw Halloween. Ah. And Jason Blum was there. Well, stick it up your blum blum, Katie. <laughs> yeah, um, which I enjoyed infinitely more than you seem to enjoy Venom, so there's that. Um, Can I get you into that? Not a big deal. <sighs> yeah, I... Um, I enjoyed the crowd experience of Venom. Oh, I'm sure. You know what we do. We watch terrible movies. We do. And uh, we have an adequate amount of alcohol and we talk over most of it and we laugh and we riff... That is the experience of the terrible movie that I enjoy. Yeah. So a terrible movie to me is never a, a travesty unless I have to sit there in complete and utter fucking silence and suffer through it. Yeah. Like we've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. Midsummer is a fucking turd of aren't a movie. We, aren't we going to do a, a, a podcast? I'm going to put it off as long as possible. But yes, apparently we're doing fucking Midsummer. God, I hated it. But you know what? I really enjoyed watching it with you and super friend of the podcast, Alusha. Yeah. Because that was the experience. Not watching Midsummer, suffering through it together. And, and that shared experience makes everything better. It's like playing a shitty game in co-op. But I've never, like, stopped watching a film to then look at the people I was watching it with instead pleading with my eyes for any indication that it was going to stop or like, or like you're like or what like yeah anyway one of my favorite moments watching a, a movie with Alusha was um Dark Knight Rises another fucking midnight screening story so we bought tickets to the three Christopher Nolan Batman movies starts with Batman begins solid movie definitely room for improvement not perfect i love it but it's not it's definitely not it has you could fix it we yeah. could do an episode on it we won't but we could then The Dark Knight, adore it. So we've watched the first one. We've watched the second one. We've got to wait a bit. We go down to a pub. We're having beers. It's fucking Phantom Menace all over again. Man, how good is it going to be? How good's the trailer, Tom Hardy? I was born in the fight. You know, doing our impersonations, riffing off each other, feeding off the nerdy Batman-loving energy. We get in there, and by the end of that movie, we'd looked at each other so many times just to see if, am I the freak? Am I the only one not enjoying? No, he's not. Okay. People were applauding. This is not a media screening. And if you've ever been to a media screening, sometimes they applaud and it's fucking weird. I tend to do it ironically in shit movies. I do a slow clap, but occasionally I'll applaud if it's amazing, but I don't clap everything. And there's certain people that stay to watch the credits, like all of them, like they're doing some sort of service, like the director's fucking watching them through a sniper scope, like, oh, you better not get out of the seat, motherfucker. Nobody cares. You appreciate that best boy. Go look it up on IMDb if you want to fucking know, yeah, who the best boy was or the- Key grip. Third assistant director. Yeah. Who cares? Anyways, you don't do anything by staying there. You're just sitting in an uncomfortable seat in a fucking terrible cinema. But we went out, people weren't, they didn't just clap, they were leaving like we left the dark night. They were jazzed, oh my God, this bit. And we're just there in that awkward Nathan and Todd leaving Phantom Menace silence of, and we're like kind of whispering to each other like, 
that wasn't great, right? He's like, oh no, thank fuck, man. Like we're not alone. It came this little support network thing of just, and it was like, did we fuck ourselves by watching the first two? So I rewatched it and I've rewatched it multiple times. Fuck that movie. <laughs> we're gonna do an episode on that someday. All right, yeah. Suicide Squad. I mean, I, I, it was bad, but I didn't think it was life-endingly terrible. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Right. Um, but having said that, I didn't think Suicide Squad was dreadful. Like, no. Um, There's some good stuff in there. There is some good stuff in there, and they chose not to explore it, and that's what the that's what the pain is. For so me. what's your good stuff? Are you talking characters? Are you talking plot lines? What are you talking about? Like, the soundtrack, I think is peerless almost as, as far as modern movies go the the best of like karaoke style tracks that just sometimes they just back into each other there's five minutes five minutes and you've heard four amazing songs yeah they must have dropped tens of millions of dollars on the soundtrack yeah yeah and look uh, margot robbie is uh that was a standout as her uh, versatility, like she could be the leading lady, she could be, you know, the sexy one, she could be Harley Quinn, she can be Tonya Harding, like she is a very, very good character She's act- awesome. actress. Um, she doesn't seem to be one of those high and mighty actors who feels they're above material. No, I talked to her in a toilet when we saw I Tonya. You talked to her in a toilet? Yeah. Have you not? You haven't told me this. I did. What did you say to her? Hello. What did she say? Hi. And that was it. Yep. Fucking amazing. Well, what's gonna? What am I gonna? Hello. Will you talk to me about like your life in the toilet while we wash our hands? Yeah. Like, I just said hello, and she said hello. You're like, hey, I'm gonna go back into this cubicle. You go into that one. I'll sit next to you, and we can talk while you do whatever it is you're here to do. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Celebrities love that. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's clearly my brush with fame, and I'm sure I'm very. I'm sure she thinks of that moment and says. And it was that girl that chose to just say hi and leave me to my private business. And she stood out for me. No, but look. Number two, she said. (laughs) I really appreciate it. No, but look, it actually shows sort of how down to earth she is because she just used the public toilets at event cinema. Do they have or Hoyts. Do they have some sort of gold rimmed celebrity only cinema in your mind? They've probably got a staff toilet though. Like, I, I don't think. Fucking event. They don't have a staff toilet. Yeah. Oh, well, no, it was Hoyt's well, in they don't know either. entertainment Nobody quarter. Does. Yeah. Um, suck. Yeah, they do. It's hideous. But um, she's a fantastic character actress. She's clearly the standout. Um, many will disagree, but I think Jai Courtney is very good as well. Oh, you know, I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, I think Jai Courtney is the only one of the ones that don't have massive screen time like Margot and Will Smith who gets the tone of what they're doing. And he still has some little occasionally sober moments, which is my little pun because he's smashing tinnies, but he owns that role. And I have never thought I'd say that in my life. I have never liked Jai Courtney in anything he's done. Mm. Nothing. I've at best gone, he was okay. Yeah, yeah. He was competent. Uh, and at times have thought he was fucking terrible, but he is a God tier Captain Boomerang. He's taken one of the shittest <laughs> characters, and that's fucking saying something. He's called Captain Boomerang. And he has no superpowers. He just throws a boomerang. He, thro- he smashes tinnies and he throws boomerang. <laughs> what, <laughs> what a fucking imbecile. Oh, my like, God. But, look, I think, I think it's really good. I think he's interesting, despite the fact that he's got 
virtually nothing going for him. Um, Will Smith was dreadful. He was Will Smith. I am not sold on him being a good actor at all. I Come on. Okay, seven pounds is it. He is... Will Smith is Will Smith in every other film. No, no, no. When he's doing big tentpole action movies, he's Will Smith. But he does dramatic stuff quite well. I oh, think. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there was that other one. Um, I am honestly drawing blanks. So oh, I am legend. He's pretty good in that. But that that's actually kind of a merging of the two, right? Like the, yeah, the action like, thing. But yeah. he also doesn't mind digging a little deeper. Like he's shown me enough that he has dramatic chops for me to respect him as an actor. Yeah, no, uh, but when you fair. watch too that's many fair. Will Smith movies, Independence Day, and then you fucking even Suicide Squad. If, if you take a, a line of dial, a non, like just a completely nonchalant line of dialogue from any of his like blockbuster action films, so choose one: the Independence Day, Men in Black, um, you know, Suicide Squad, Bad Boys. You know, Bad Boys 2, Bad Boys for Life. iRobot. iRobot. You could just play a nondescript line of dialogue and you go, what film was that from? And you'd go, yes. uh... Yeah, like, same tone, same inflection, line delivery. Same character, it's, effectively. It's, it's Will Smith as an action hero. And that's not to say that he's not enjoyable to watch on screen, like he still does the stuff that makes a film flow, but it's the same fucking stuff. Which is weird because when he... In every movie that's like that. When he digs deep, he delivers. Yeah. And he can do it. He's got the chops. And that's coming from a guy who was fucking Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Who the fuck saw that coming? Yeah, yeah. And look, and even that was really good compared to... It was comedy though, right? Like, was he doing any... I I didn't watch it enough. I watched a bit of it, but didn't watch enough to see if he did any... Well, he was also boom-shaking the room at that time as Uh, well, so... And then there was that whole uh, getting jiggy with it era and Wild Wild West. That was another film that he was in. Holy shit. I watched that recently. What? Why? I watched terrible movies with (laughs) too many groups of people now, but... That movie is perfect fodder to drink and shit on and talk over. Yeah. I think, what did he pass on? Did he pass on The Matrix to be in that? Yeah, so it was something massive. Oh, but, you know, to his credit, he didn't just say, yeah, I thought Wild Wild West was going to be good. Fuck you, you're all shit. He said, I didn't know how to play Neo. Yeah. And then I saw Keanu do it, and I was like, shit, that's how you do it. I'm like, that's some pretty awesome humility for, for a guy who was like Tom Cruise level bankable for a while there. Yeah, yeah. People put him in movies because they knew they were automatically guaranteed to make 100 mil domestic every well, time. I, I think there's still a bit of that though. Like he's still He's a, coming back. He's still a draw card. Yeah. Um but he was just awful in in Suicide Squad and it wasn't helped by the fact that I know that we talked about this at length like pretty much while we were watching it that like if you have the context of how the film was written and produced it makes a lot of sense because the poor guy had six weeks. David Ayer. Yeah, David Ayer had six weeks to to write the script. And like, like, it is impossible to get a brilliant result when you're going that fast, when there's less time to take a breath in between and edit and polish and, you know, mull over when a scene, for a little bit on a scene, how it could be better. Yeah. Um, and especially the dialogue. 
Oh because you God. just have to kind of go with it at that point and... You've got to stick with the story. You can't change anything. You may be hoping you can do a few drafts in that time, which means your draft one story is also your draft two and your draft three story because you're refining the studio. He he signs this... He's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want to do Suicide Squad. That sounds great. Signs a dotted line. I'm going to be the writer. I'm going to be the director. Cool. Then Warner Brothers goes out and says, we've got David Ayer. Woo! And the movie's coming out not that far in the future and he's there fucking doing the maths going holy shit I have six weeks to write it not just write it I'm the director so he's probably prepping pre-production which means what he writes in the first draft is gospel yep and it's very obvious like you've got Deadshot who's a fucking murderous assassin with a massive kill count all of the people are in a fucking insane asylum that they're breaking out to form a team to go rescue someone and it, it, it's they're the suicide squad because it's a suicide mission they're freed to do a job and if they die they're completely they're, they're seen as completely disposable now with that platform you would think that there would be a good mix of dark humour grit um and certainly a way for them to be anti-heroes, quite evil, quite violent, but still have you rooting for them. And they got about 50% of the way there before it became this, like, spew of just, oh, well, no, we think it's kind of this theme, and, oh, no, it can't be too dark there, so let's say something quirky, like, it's... It, it was so ham-fisted in parts that it was just tragic. Like, whoa, we don't speak bad guy. What do you mean? Like, oh, good guy or whatever. We don't speak good guy. And I'm yeah. like, wow. Like, a, a, an assassin coming out of a an insane asylum is going to say, we don't speak good guy. Yeah. It's like, totally all over the place. All over the shop. But then the first half hour is exposition. But it's problematic because it, it's clear that they had, to me, it's clear that they'd written a script that was a proper ensemble script that might have had a lead or something in there. But then Margot Robbie's so hot right now coming off the back of Wolf of Wall Street and everyone's raving yeah. about her. She's already signed up. So like Harley Quinn gets boosted. And then it's, Will, hey, we've got Will Smith. Holy shit, we've got Will Smith. So Deadshot gets boosted. There was talk... I'm pretty sure it was beyond rumors that, uh, which is weird because we were just talking about Dark Knight Rises, that Tom Hardy had signed up for Suicide Squad. So Tom Hardy, who had not too many years earlier played a DC villain, yep. was signed up to play another DC villain. Right. Or maybe, I've, I do believe the rumor was that he was playing Rick Flagg, who was played by Joel something or other from Altered Carbon who's the straight-edged dude in love with the witch. Yeah. Right? And the so the story goes from what I, what I recall, he pulled out because once they got, like, Margot's star power rose and once they got Will Smith, they started beefing up those roles. So you've got a six-week script turnaround and then you're beefing up roles based on cast. Like, this is... And, and then the cast drops out and gets how replaced. Did this, how is this not a half-star movie? Like, and it is not. I think I gave it two stars. Look, it, it, it's just tragic for me. Like, there were, 
It's a missed opportunity. It's such a missed opportunity. And this was where DC could go, yeah, we saw you fucking Candyland, motherfucking Marvel Cinematic Universe. F that. Real talk. Sometimes superheroes are violent and there's a lot of dirty work and we're going to own that and Batman's going to try and stop us, but then there's all these villains that you fall in love with and kind of hope Batman fails. Like, that was a huge setup. And then, you know, Superman's dead, but is he? Oh, you know, like, there were, they could have been so good and they fucked it up so many times. And I'll still watch them all. Yeah, but the, the, like, you can tell, once you know the context, it all makes a lot more sense because, yeah, the first half an hour is pure exposition. And so what you get as well is you get and I'm only noticing this because I've seen it two or three times now, the characters get introduced multiple times. So you get Harley and Will getting their own <clears throat> sort of bigger intros. Mm. And then you get uh, Amanda Waller, I can't remember the actor's name, talking about the Suicide Squad and then re-mentions Harley Quinn and Will Smith, who we've already fucking met. Yeah. And then you get their quirky little introduction. Viola Davis, but yes. Viola Davis, thank you. Videos with the super stylized stuff. And you're like, okay, so I'm getting introduced to some of these characters too three times mm. and then the one character that they don't introduce at all they introduce him with a line of dialogue oh, this is Slipknot he's the man who can climb anything you're like well that guy's gonna die <laughs> like yeah. he's gonna die first his name's Slipknot and I know some of the shittier characters I'm like I've never heard of him he's probably been made up just to die he hasn't as it turns out but this is Slipknot the man who can climb anywhere I'm like why the fuck is he in prison why the fuck is he in this black site? Why the fuck is he worthy of the Suicide Squad, which is the worst of the worst? That's sort of like... He's those. got a grappling hook. Batman has a grappling hook. Batman is a man who can climb anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of like those really forgotten shitty superheroes, like Arms Fall Off Boy. Yes. You wrote a thing about this, didn't mm, you? Yeah. And is that Ma- the best one? Uh, well... That must have been fun to research. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I think Matter Eater Lad was good. Like, his thing was that he could just eat stuff. So if he was, like, locked in a prison, he could just eat the bars and walk free. But they're also an opportunity sometimes. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, Copperhead from uh, Batman Arkham Origins, which is a game that's Well, not- he's in the article. She. He. he. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. he was a dude in a, <laughs> like, let's go... Copperhead's sort of yeah, like shitty it, it, high school it was, snake suit. Yeah, it was like a costume shop. Yeah. Like yes. f- fancy dress party costume. And he's a villain. <laughs> and he's going up against Batman. You're like, shit, I wonder who's going to win there. And they reimagined him as a poison-loving assassin. Yeah. And it worked. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's an opportunity there to take... I mean, I wouldn't argue that Captain Captain Boomerang pretty much is what you'd expect, but... But he did well with what he, he had. But he had fun with it. And yeah. he was, you, when every time you knew he was having dialogue, you're like, this is going to be funny. Yeah. I, I'm at least going to have a smirk hmm. at this. And Jai Courtney got it. You yeah, can tell yeah. he just fucking got what that was supposed to be about. Yeah, 100%. But I think the biggest problem in the movie for me is the villain... Oh, it, look, I said to you at the time, and then you're like, save it for the podcast. 
What an asshole, right? I know. Um, and it really felt like two different films forged together. Like I understand that they kind of do have the A and B story running um, with a B plot being altered carbon guy and the, the witch and their very complicated relationship considering that, you know, he's essentially in love with a woman who's possessed um, and is overtaken by a, a witch demon kind of thing. It's like, well, where the fuck is that context in, with Suicide Squad? I mean, it was a dreadful choice for a villain. Yeah. Dreadful. And everything had to lead up to it and revolve around it. But it, and, but it and was we hadn't a, been introduced to magic yet in the DC universe. No. So like, oh, by the way, there's magic and it's really forced in and it doesn't work. No, and it should have, like, it should have just been a, like, literally anything. They could have made up something that wasn't in the comics that was on a similar tonal level to everything else. Yeah. I mean, and, and it would have made far more sense and been a bit more enjoyable, I think, because... It, it it's so sh- like it's so bizarre that you like you sort of blink and go hang on a minute like what what did I miss that linked this to what I just saw? Well, you like, see the setup and you're like oh that's the villain oh no and immediately yeah. whatever potential enthusiasm or benefit yeah. of the doubt you're giving is just whoosh, it's just curbed pretty heavily. Yep. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll touch on that more when I get to my movie yeah but I just it, it seems like it was it was destined for failure and that's really upsetting because it could have been amazing and and then for me the worst sin uh or maybe equally as bad as the as the villain was shoehorning in the joker and shoehorning in a joker who shows who whose presence is like David Ayer didn't get the joker yeah, from a writing perspective, and I mean, he didn't have enough time to try to get the Joker. No. He didn't get him as a director. Jared Leto didn't get what the Joker's about as an actor. And he's a very good actor, in my opinion. Uh, so. But. It just felt forced, and I was cringing every time he's on scene, uh, on screen. And that, you know, that shot of him in his lair, surrounded by this intricately organized knives and guns and wait he's the joker so let's put some some baby costumes behind him i'm like you're just throwing random shit oh he's insane just put something ran put a tattoo of a a laughing mouth on his hand and maybe you can do something with it put damaged on his head now i have to admit i defended jared leto as the joker uh, even uh, including the trailers because for me the joker is two things he is a laugh, and in the trailers, I was like, yeah, he's got a sinister laugh. It's kind of creepy. And he is um, an unpredictable, unstoppable force. And, and, yeah. You can cut two minutes together of Suicide Squad and make it look like that's what that joke is going to be. He looked like shit. Totally agree. He looked like a fucking idiot. Damaged, tattooed on his fucking head. What the fuck is that yeah, about? Yeah, but, no, but nobody is, like taking that guy seriously. He looks like he's a fucking SoundCloud rapper, you know? Oh, put some shit tattoos on my face and dye my hair green and mumble. Ooh. Yeah, which... Terrifying. For those of you who are going to watch Birds of Prey, Suicide Squad is treated like they continue the story 
It's about the, you know, it's set up so it's not a spoiler because they literally live with it that the Joker and Harley Quinn break up. And one of the earlier points is that nobody will touch Harley Quinn because she's Joker's girl. Yeah. Which is cool and makes sense until you realize that they're talking about fucking Jared Leto's Joker. And you're like, nah. And you're like, get fucked. Really? Who the fuck is afraid of him? Nah. Like, it, it, it was his... Like that film's take on the Joker, Jared Leto's performance, uh, it it basically shat on everything we know about every iteration of the Joker. Like when you when Cesar Romero has a better grip on the, uh, jo- the Joker, yeah. even fifty years later or forty years later, you know there's a problem. Like whoever Jared Leto was playing was not the Joker. No, um, and, that's, and that's fine. You just don't, don't call him call, the Joker. Don't call him that. Like he can be a clown. He or can be a jester. A f- super fan gone mental. Yep. Like that he can makes call himself Joker, but he's not the Joker. Because but that, but that makes Joker. more sense because he's so like he's shitty. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. They he do just, that in yeah. Batman Beyond. They yeah. have a they have a gang called the Jokers that have modeled themselves on the Joker. Yeah. And when old Batman runs into them and they're like, "We're the Jokers. Don't you know who we are?" He's like. Motherfucker, I I fought the Joker like you you just punks like that whole idea of just dismissing them because they are poses yeah and that's the whole running thing is that they're just fucking poses yeah yeah but but the Joker is not but no, Jared, Jared Leto, Leto is yeah so it's like he really should have been framed as like a um, a copycat or something like that if they had to have him and he had to look that way like they can't retroactively do that now because no of course not dangled too many plot points around yes. him. The world treating him as though he is scary, even though he's not. Yeah, and look, uh, what I did want to mention, because like I really just found it like he is honestly the worst Joker I've ever seen. Um, and we've been spoiled with, you know, Heath Ledger. Um, I think it's been a flawless run. Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, uh, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, like we've, like we've really had some portrayals where. Clearly, the the snapshot of the character in that point in time is is executed really well. Um, but if we look at Suicide Squad and what we know, like just based on the lore of you know Gotham, Batman, everything, um, like my point of reference for the whole thing would be the Killing Joke. Uh, you you get to see. Joker before he was Joker there and you see you know a a broken man who you know still has love in his heart for his family but is essentially drawn to madness through failure and wanting to be something he's not Um, and it's not sort of executing on, on big plans that make him a somebody that gets him to behave in a way that gets him noticed regardless because that is what serial killers do. Yeah. That's that was Ted Bundy's whole thing. Like, you know, he wanted cameras to be taking photos of him. He want he he represented himself in court because he wanted to be on camera talking more. Yeah. You know, killing jokes joker is a cautionary tale. Yeah, about like how an average man can become can be broken to a point of madness where they can become yeah 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 and it's fucked yeah and for me like 
that shows that there is a side of him who once cared um, and who, you know, through circumstance, you know, um, megalomania or whatever, like became this horrible villain that is still very compelling um, and has many layers. But a lot of them, like they still all tie back to... um, I, I, there's still an emotional state there that I really didn't see come through very well with with Jared Leto, like that, like the scene where he's like in the room with all the random shit circling him that just isn't explained because they think, oh, it's just you know there is no explanation. He's, he's edgy. He's edgy and unpredictable, and it's like no, it was just random shit. No, but it was also organised. Yes. In a very neat pattern. Yeah. Which is not him. On a basic level, is not. Joker. No, no, and um, I thought he was extremely predictable. Yep. Uh, he was, you know, grandiose, annoying, um, like bold and a show pony, which I guess you could all associate with with the Joker in in every iteration. But there was zero substance behind it. They had him like. In a pimp pose. It wasn't a, scary. In a nightclub. It was, there was nothing scary about him. No, but they treated him like he was just a pimp. Just No, like, he was just another gang leader. Yeah, like... A, Why was he fucking at that club? Why the fuck would he be at that club? Yeah. Heath like, Ledger's Joker is terrifying. Yes. Because you can only beat him by killing him. Yep. But he wants you to kill him. Yep. Because you're Batman and Batman doesn't kill. So he's like, I found you one rule. I'm willing to die... To be right, yep. that everyone is a push away from being me. Holy fucking shit! He will kill everyone close to you. Yep. He doesn't give a fuck. No, no, but Jared Leto's Joker is like top shelf whiskey in a white suit with dancing girls. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's trying to break out Harley. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Well, no, and that's the other thing that, like, we're meant to believe that Dr. Um, Quinzel, Quinzel is... Harleen Quinzel. Harleen yes. Quinzel. Not a comic book name at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we, we are led... We, like, we are made to believe that this incredibly, like, genius, incredibly smart woman, albeit a broken one... Yeah. ...is so taken by this panic at the disco <laughs> motherfucker that she loses everything and taps into her evil side to such a degree that she cannot be brought back. No, I don't buy it for a second. And I think he, there, there are so many things to work with, with Joker where you can draw on the fact that he's been tipped over the edge from being able to control himself and live a normal life and still have that unpredictable insanity that has a history there was zero substance to anything. He felt tacked on. Yeah. He felt like he had to be there because Harley was there. And Harley yeah. is not super familiar to mainstream audiences. She was invented for Batman the Animated Series, which still holds up to this day for the most part. There are trashy episodes, but there are amazing ones. Uh, top of my head, invented by a guy called Bruce Tim, yeah. who now she's a staple. Like, she's in the comics. Yeah. She's in the movies. But... As far as she mainstream, is fantastic. But she's never been in anything before outside of comics and cartoons. 
won the games, obviously, but that's why they probably were worried that if they did just Harley, it wouldn't make sense without the Joker. And I think she's strong enough to stand by herself, certainly the way that Margot depicted her. Now, we watched the director's cut, which is interesting. And even though I haven't seen it enough to be super familiar with it, I could spot the scenes that were cut. And some of them should have definitely been cut, but the ones that shouldn't have been cut or actually they should have just filtered it more through uh, Harley's character was Mm -hmm. when she was analysing people. Yes, and that is... They run with that in Birds of Prey. They do a lot and, and and it weaves in so well. It's so dark, but it's so funny. She's using everything that she has learnt to be good and to help people to blatantly them. out loud manipulate them. Yes. It's so on character and it works. It's such a good and fun tick. Well, it is, but it's also, it shows how incredibly dangerous she is, like ability to be violent aside. Yeah, she can destroy you mentally. But psychological torture, yeah. So it's, she is, um, like, she is such a complex, amazing character and, and, and Margot Robbie plays her so well, like, I feel sorry for whoever the next reboot is who has to fill her shoes because Eesh. it's, yeah, it'll be tough, I think. Um, but She's still young. Oh, look, for now we're golden. But, like, um, yeah, like we're talking like the, she's a fantastic invention. It's like, okay, the Joker is actually so manipulative that he's bewitched his own psychiatrist. Like, that's terrifying. And there's a darkness and a humour in that. And they tried with Suicide Squad. And in that six weeks, I think those cut scenes did deliver something. Um, But it all got messed up in this concoction of themes that made no sense. An ensemble cast where only, you know, two or three people really worked. Yeah. You know, a, a toothless, shitty villain that no one cared about as a threat. Like we're all just waiting for the Suicide Squad to do something fucking interesting. Like, But also she was, okay, this is what we started doing when we were watching the movie. Yeah. She was part of the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad was created because Superman is dead, but what if the next Superman is bad? So we need something to be able to fight against that yeah. that we can have ultimate deniability over. Okay, following you so far. So they form the Suicide Squad. Yeah. To do nothing, nothing. at this stage? Nothing. Which is okay because they've been formed, they're waiting for a threat, but then in forming the Suicide Squad, one of them becomes the threat which kind of has some dramatic irony to it, but it's not executed at all well. So then the suicide squad that is responsible for the threat that could potentially destroy the world for some reason, they make it world destroying instead of just, I don't know, city destroying or suburb destroying. It doesn't have to be a fucking global threat every time. Superhero movie makers, please. Uh, Doesn't get disbanded and they're not like, we're going to send in the fucking heroes. They're like, no, we're going to send in the people that we can deny were there even though there's a giant fucking sky beam and then there's the lightning shit destroying everything at the end you're not covering that one up no like send in where the fuck's Batman doesn't care about this Batman's in the movie briefly but he's sitting he's sitting this one out this world destroying threat then like what there's no flash or green lantern 
No, and when the woman doesn't give a fuck, <laughs> and we're led to believe that this is all going on, um, and yeah, Batman, who the police have come to rely on, doesn't respond. It's not in his city. I think they go out of their way to say it's in Midway City. Oh, that's true. But yeah, yeah, like, fair enough. Batman can travel, and if Midway City, he's got a car. He's actually got a car and a plane. Yeah, a wing, you might say. Yeah, Suzuki Swift. I think he's got Suzuki Swift wing. Yeah, <laughs> but. It start, they turn it into a global threat for no reason, which then immediately makes you go, why doesn't anyone else care about this? This is what the Marvel people try to talk around when they isolate their heroes now for their standalones after the ensembles. They don't make it a global threat because then you're like, well, why isn't Thor here? Why isn't mm. Captain and why doesn't the Hulk care? Like, you don't want to have to deal with that shit, so you make it a personal manageable for one person, not so much going to blip on the Marvel radar or the Avengers radar because apparently even, you know, an entire shipyard saying Iron Man 3 being destroyed by lots of Iron Men flying in and people who are made of flames is contained by their standards. And I'm okay with that because it's not destroying a country or a continent or blah, 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 blah. When you make it global threat, Mm. that's when the world unites. Yeah. So big mistake, but they back themselves into the corner by setting the villain as that. It had to be an escalation. It had to have a fucking sky beam. My God, what is it with the fucking sky beams? And then she's doing a dance to conjure up magic, but she's sharing power with her brother. She doesn't help her brother when he's fighting the apparently equally powerful suddenly at the end flame demon <laughs> man who's the killed both of them by a tiny explosive so they probably could have just nuked them or got a team to swim in a nuke underneath what is happening and they've got it like i'm pretty sure it was ma rated and they've got the the enemy the enemies are these spongy fucking monsters that there's no gore so no, no, no. The bad guys are just killing nondescript enemies. They're not even bad guys anymore. Well, no, and then they just, like, at the end, they're like, oh, that was the last one. And you're like, oh. Okay. Oh, that was it. Oh, okay. Like, lucky they went to all this fucking trouble of organising special ops and breaking all these dickheads out of prison. Like, what the fuck? And it just becomes a plot rush of, like, I, yeah. need, I need this to happen, so what is the what is the shortest path to make that happen? And if it's a terrible line of dialogue, if it's a terrible character decision, if it's a, the bar scene, which I actually enjoy right up until the end. And then there's this moment towards the end of the scene where, you know, Rick flag says, Oh, here's your daughter's letters, bro. She's been sending you letters all the time. Now, why the fuck would he have those? No, he He doesn't run the prison. Why is he carrying them around with him? He hasn't used them to manipulate them until that point with the knowledge that he gleaned from it. He's just carrying them around because the plot requires him to. And okay, I'm on board. So he drops these big bomb. Bam. There's an emotional bomb for you. Dead shot. Dead shot has his little Will Smith moment. He fucking, he glares at him. You fucking had these things the whole time. I'm like, shit, it is on. Now they're going to disband. No, because the plot requires that to rally them. Why? Why the fuck would it rally this character who they've set up is doing everything for his daughter and all he wants is yeah. to hear from his daughter and you've robbed him of his daughter, you've just admitted to that, and that's what makes him go, I'm going to get you back to your old lady. He says some shit like that. Yeah. I'm going to get you back to your witch. Not because he's going to stab her in the back, because 
suddenly he's fucking noble. Yeah. And he's this dead shit character and he's got some fucking Bible verse around his neck on his assassin's costume for no fucking reason. And that's never really explained or it doesn't touched add upon. anything to his character. No, it's um it doesn't it, even seem to do anything with it. It just seems to be sitting there like he lost a bet. Yep. It's like, hey man, hey, hey, put a Bible verse <laughs> put a Bible verse on your yeah. neck. Okay. Yeah. And it look uh, it, it it with the context of how th- quickly it was thrown together, I'm amazed that it was cohesive at all. Um the villain 100%. the villain and threat were just huge mistakes. They weren't anything of the sort. It made no sense whatsoever why this was so world-ending that they needed to do all this and they were the people to do it. Like, It's, it's too much. It's too much. Hey, there's magic in the DC universe now. It's this terrible fucking villain. Hey, this is the new Joker. He's in it for about 20 minutes and that feels like it's too long, or maybe even 10 minutes. Like, and, and, like, in that time... We see him being like, oh, very calculating and, you know, I'm going to hurt you real bad. Like, you know, you're meant to be scared of him, but he's really not scary. He's just like a dick, you know. And um, it, But in that 20 minutes, like, we see that he's used Harley Quinn um, to get out of prison. And then he's tortured her. But he's tortured. Doing tortu- the thing that he wanted. Yeah, yeah, he's tortured. Which is on brand with the Joker. Yep, 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 that's fine. Um, but she somehow, like, he breaks her out of prison. And then he's, like, he's awful to her, but she chases him down and he sort of relents on that. And then they end up a couple. And then when she's gone, because she's been locked up in an insane asylum, he's then sitting there surrounded by random shit in such a depression that she's gone that anyone who walks into the room, he goes, where is she? Like, why would he give a shit? She's out of his life at that point. Hadn't earned it. Again. And then, oh, and then they were in the vat of poison making out. That was cringeworthy. Yeah. None of that made sense because he didn't like her. The love film again should have been, like the love story should have been an entirely different film. But the whole thing is that, like, and you know how you see these dreadful memes from, like, neckbeards that don't really get it and they're like, oh, Harley and Joker is like a love story for the ages and it's like, it's actually the most... It sure dre- is. It's a cautionary tale. <laughs> it's the most dreadful, mutually abusive relationship in the whole world. Yeah. And if someone says, he's my Joker to I'm his Harley Quinn, call the police. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah, like, um, but... So you've you've, like... Why does like he he relents? They get together. Like he runs back to a vat of acid or poison to save her, and they end up just making out in it, you know, because he's led her to a certain death. But then he he relents at the last minute, rescues her. Um, he's still a psychopath. Yeah, this outpouring of emotion is no longer possible for this character. Like he tried to be normal and it didn't work so now he's going to leave a mark in the most horrific ways possible because the shitty unformed plot demands it he he loves Harley because it's the path of least resistance and it's the easiest way to make it happen and shit I hope the audience buys it they don't but well no because it it makes no sense because there there wasn't a build up there and it's like really in, in real life and I think 
how it's portrayed a lot in, in, in comic iterations and stuff like that is like he's a psychopath and she knows he is because she's a fucking psychiatrist but she can't stay away because she's so fascinated. Yeah. And they're both getting something mutual out of it and she will do things for him and she's turned inside out for him. Like she, she's now resigned herself to being a pawn in his game. Yeah. But. And she's probably done one too many bad things. Yes. And so she's. To come back from the dark side, but they hadn't earned that. That's all backstory that we haven't seen. No, no, no. And it's like, I mean, spoilers for Birds of Prey, but there is a moment there where she's like, I, I guess I'm a terrible person, you know, and. I mean, she's meant to be at that point because she's been broken down. Um, but she's also too self-aware for it to not be a, a cognizant choice as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, but they're, they're both mutually very poor for each other. And, but we just saw these moments of like snap romantic decision that just simply shouldn't and doesn't take place in the normal Gotham universe. It just doesn't. Uh, again, it's just bad writing. It's bad writing because of Yes, but six it made weeks. me angry. Right. And it could have been so much better because this was the, the moment to seize, you know, cool comics for, like, cool grown-ups that... They've learned their lesson. Say fuck a lot. I want to say know? they've learned their lesson because Suicide Squad 2 has been announced for the longest time. David Ayer was attached to it. I'm pretty sure David Ayer was attached to Birds of Prey yeah. or one of the Harley Quinn solo films. Thank fuck. And not because David Ayer has made some amazing movies, but that is a movie that should have been written and directed by women. My opinion. Yeah. Female characters, female ensemble class. That makes a lot of fucking sense. Uh, and I don't think... David Ayer, to mind, has written any terribly great female characters. Can't think of anyone. But, yeah, I've, I've liked a lot of his work. But So he can go off and do other stuff. And they've got, they've got James Gunn to do The Suicide Squad, which is like a sequel, softy, rebooty thing. Maybe certain actors are replacing ones that we've seen. Maybe they're playing new characters. They've kept it under wraps, but they've given him plenty of time to write the fucking script. Yep. Guy has proven that he knows how to do ensemble with Guardians of the Galaxy. He took characters that I'd never heard of that I laughed at when I heard oh, it's the fucking tree and a raccoon. Yeah, all right, cool. This is going to be great. Mm. My favourite Marvel movie yeah. uh, to date. The first one, fuck the second one. But so he knows how to do an ensemble movie and give characters the right amount of airs. You can still have your leads, but you've, everyone else still feels like they're represented properly. They have an arc. They're distinct characters. They're not just saying garbage because yeah. they're in a scene and they need to get from A to B and we better get them to talk during this scene about some random shit that maybe shows a bit of their characters. Why the fuck was Killer Croc in that movie? It feels like Killer Croc was in that movie to swim at the end. Yeah, he was in it to swim and he but was they had- in it to show that they were very cruel in that um, asylum. No, we saw them being cruel to everyone else. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Everyone else. Yeah. Harley, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, well, him at the end. But we got to see them being cruel and he lives in the sewer and they treat him like an animal. That was just like, a, yeah, we get it. Everyone's being treated like shit here. Yeah. You don't have rights here. And it actually literally feels like Killer Croc was in there because they're like, oh, we need someone to swim at the end. Who could that be? Yeah, let's, <laughs> it's going to be Killer Croc. Aquaman. <laughs> but he's not a bad guy. I know. But, so, <laughs> but it feels like they've reverse engineered it around that, which is 
not fucking ideal. And you had other people there in, with scuba suits, so he was rendered useless. And even yep. though he was faster and stronger, his voice modulator was fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. His makeup was incredible. Yeah. But he wasn't big enough. And that's because well, no. my definitive Killer Croc is of Arkham games fame. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. he is like twice the size of... But he, he, he fills the sewer. Like he's he is, terrifying. Like you wouldn't laugh at him nope. for being Killer Croc. No. Because he is like a giant crocodile man mm-hmm. who's deadly in water, who's insanely strong, he's deadly on land. He's sharpened his teeth down to find points because he's owned the persona that he is a crocodile man. Yeah, yeah. Fucking utterly intimidating for uh, a villain who most people wouldn't know if yeah, they're not yeah. fans of Batman. He's certainly not A tier. He's probably not even B tier. But fuck, they elevated him. Well, yeah, they yeah, and like, so it would almost be better if they'd have pit some of them against each other. I mean, you know, drag Poison Ivy out. You know, like it's weird that they didn't. No, but like, why wasn't? Maybe- why couldn't she be? The unstoppable force, and then she would have been a good one that people are more familiar with. Well, there's that, and the fact that they're like, oh, but she's kind of on our side. So what do we do? Like, we're not the good guys here. She's like, fuck Batman. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there could have been some interesting tension. That here's my movie, by the way. Fucking boom. No witch, poison ivy. Keep the soundtrack. Give Will Smith a give thirty five dollars and give him thirty five dollars and a sandwich and. Find somebody else, literally anyone. Well, there are, yeah. there are rumours that Idris Elba is playing Deadshot. I hope it's not true. I hope he's playing someone else. Yeah. Because I I don't even know who. I don't even care. I fucking love me some Idris uh, in, the, in the sequel. Yeah. I would love to see him do something different. But you know what? If he does Deadshot, I'm not going to be terribly disappointed because I figure he'll do more with it. But he'll also have a script that's had more time uh, with a writer who's got proven chops and doing good ensemble stuff yeah yeah and you know it's 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 interesting like i the whole poison ivy thing i've just thought about was a real missed opportunity given the current climate because she is and the climate back then as well yeah yeah and like slightly on the curve instead of behind it yeah and it's like she's a baddie and she's willing to kill you know um for the protection of nature Mother Earth, uh, uh, we mother- are undeniably killing. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, that's hard to argue. Yeah, she's suddenly a very relevant Yeah, villain. I don't know if we're going to see her in the new Batman movie, but it would be cool to see her. The thing that people who do serious what, man, Batman movies... She's a great movies, character, yeah. Well, they just ground it. They try to ground it too much, and I still think yeah. you can take a larger-than-life character or villain and ground it. You just got to treat it like it's serious. Yeah. She's got... A cause that a lot of people are behind now. So a lot of your audience is going, maybe I don't agree with killing people or turning them into trees or whatever other weird shit she does, but we are the cancer that is killing this planet. Well, yeah, and, like, there's something quite chilling about the prospect of being turned into a tree. Like Fucking oath, it's terrifying. Yeah, like, that is scary. Or being killed by a tree? She's Or a plant? She's amazing and she's... Terrifying. I've never really seen her as amazing, but like, well, you know, she was harder, in Batman right? and Robin, and that was a terrible fucking movie. It was Uma Thurman, wasn't yep. it? Yeah, it was still a terrible movie. And, yeah, um, she was 
I got respect for her in the Arkham games, but in terms of comics and stuff, I've I've read a little bit of her, but she's always sort of more supporting. I don't think I've read anything where she's been the main threat, and I've seen it executed in a way that I would feel fits. Like Batman's Rogues Gallery can get pretty weird and wonderful. Yeah, but Poison Ivy's a like. She's memorable and recognisable for people that aren't even that massive into comics. Well, Mr. Freeze used to be a joke. Yeah. But now he has been treated seriously enough that you're like, yeah, I can see that. And it's fucking heartbreaking. The guy just wanted to save his wife. Oh, that's he horrible, He got fucked yeah. over by corporate greed, also relevant. Uh, and now, yeah, he's, he's a villain by creation. He was created type thing for stuff that was completely outside of his control. His decisions were noble. If he had his time over, he would probably make the same choices as many of us would to save someone we loved. So he didn't go, I'm going to become a villain. I'm going to fight the Batman. Yeah. He was like, I want to save my wife. Yeah. Like, and that, and that, see, but even that, that is an interest. That, that's a conundrum as well. He could have been the villain. Like, yeah, I, I got the impression See, I'm not so super well-versed on where everyone DC falls, but I got the impression they didn't want to go too hard on just Gotham villains. Do mm. you know if... I don't know if Captain Boomerang is a Batman villain. Maybe he is. No, isn't he, like, Gotham extended? Maybe, but, like, Killer Croc and Harley, right? Yep. Cool. Deadshot, I'm pretty sure, is not just a Batman villain. No. He's fought Batman at some stage, but I'm pretty sure he came from elsewhere... Right. So it sort of felt more like they were trying to get that idea of the bigger universe. You know, let's get some, if it's not from Superman, then it's let's get some people from maybe who are from Green Lantern or Flash or Aquaman, Wonder Woman, all these people we're going to introduce. Let's introduce the DC universe as opposed to Suicide Squad being a Batman thing. Because if you make Suicide Squad a Batman thing, then you've got to have Batman fight him. Yeah. And then there's like, they shoehorn him in for two minutes and then you've got the the world's shittest Joker. Yeah. And then nothing really makes sense. But there was so much there. And if I just had more time, I think it would have been really good. Was that really your movie and that you just came up with then? Like you didn't actually have a movie or you had a different movie coming in? <laughs> no. Look, that was, yeah. like. No, I'm about it. No, no, no. Like, okay. And full so, respect if you were just like, well, like, I've got nothing and boom, there it is. No, no, no. Like, the, the Poison Ivy thing I sort of thought about more as we were speaking. Yeah. But my main point was choose a memorable villain with something at stake or some sort of dichotomy rather than they're going, oh, what a witch lady that somebody falls in love with. Oh, oh, that, that's that's a shame because he's the head of... Don't the, forget the dance. Yeah, like he's the head of the special ops and... Special ops, yeah. Oh, like what, what oh. a... Like Romeo and Juliet over here. Like I don't give a shit about any of that. Like she was forgettable, not scary... It was actually just weird. Yeah. And they even had that robotic, like, oh, I'm a possessed creature voice oh, at the end. Killer Croc's voice. Yeah, like it was. husband and then Flame Guy became Flame Guy and his voice went weird. Yeah, so, so like my pick is, you know, pit her against Poison Ivy where you've spent a movie rooting for the Suicide Squad. Um, and the then, witch against Poison Ivy? Nah. Like the, the Suicide, suicide Squad, squad yeah. Right. And it's like, so the, the threat is her, which is intertwined through the whole movie that they don't necessarily see, like they're not privy to it, but they know that they're on a journey to fight against it. Right, so maybe some red herrings. Yeah, um, and then it turns out to be Poison Ivy, 
where you're like, oh, you know, well, they've got to fight the bad guy and save the, you know, the bad guys are fighting the bad, bad guy to save the day. But it's actually Poison Ivy whose intentions are noble. And you think, well, shit, who do I go for here? Yeah. Like, and because they're the bad guys, it's okay that they're fighting someone that's noble. Yeah. yeah. And um, in terms of it, like, I understand why they did the Harley and Joker thing. But if that's their idea of um, a worthwhile execution, then, like, I don't even know what to say. But assuming I've got what I've got to work with, the Joker is completely cut um, until maybe the end. Like as a stinger or something. Yeah. Busting Harley out like he does at the end. Yeah. And then we might get backstory in a further movie. Let's just have a laugh and not an actor so that they can do that later. Yeah. (laughs) You can design his look later. Like I really don't think – like he was on most of the advertising and he's not in it at all. And when he is, it's dreadful. Yeah. Like I've never seen someone suck chemistry out of a scene quite like he did it. Ace chemicals out of the scene. Uh, um, so there's that, like, they're the main things for me is, like, I would even tease it with a flashback of, you know, what Harley was as psychiatrist, now patient. Right. Where maybe you know who she's talking to, but right at the end he comes back. So or wait, something like that. the flashback is at the end or the flashback's during so, the movie? During the movie, so you, you, you find out, you know, you get you get fed the psychiatrist thing, which makes sense because she should be analysing people like she was and there should be more of that because it's hilarious and it's very interesting. So you're like, oh, okay, she was a psychiatrist and now she's crazy, you know. And then if you don't know, because everybody knows Harley's with Joker, I guess, but if you don't, then, you know, you maybe get to see some interaction where it's not completely obvious who it is initially and then he comes back for her right at the end when she's locked up. Like, for me, that would have been a far um, more palatable way of handling it than shoehorning the most awkward comic book romance ever that's already problematic, but they've somehow made it sad and awkward. And we're talking about a psychopath and master manipulator getting together. At the very least, it should be interesting. Right? Or nothing. Like, don't... No, I mean, if you're doing that love story... Yeah. It should be fascinating because you don't want them to be together, but you're like, fuck, how is this going to play out? Yeah. And and instead it was just like... "Mm." It's awkward. Fucking awkward, yeah. Can't masturbate to this. Cannot. Tried, couldn't. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think that that would really help. I mean... Honestly, I don't think Deadshot's that great of a character at all. Like, no matter who's... Out of the squad. Out of it. Suicide squad. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I thought Viola Davis was good, but... She's good. She's very good. I liked her as a Waller. Yeah. Um, I don't have a whole lot to work with, but... Yeah, I I don't particularly like the character, but I think she did what she could with it. Um, Yeah, and everybody just needed far better dialogue, like... You know, and motivations. And yeah, like show don't tell. Characterization. Yeah. Um, Moments to shine. Yeah, but like it was those plot devices and the cheesy, completely like it's a comic book film where I have to suspend my disbelief that really shitty people are saying these things. Like I should not have to do that. 
So, yeah, here's my movie, fix all that. Now, I do need to preface that Katie and I do not talk about our movies beforehand. In fact, as Katie tried to complain about earlier, I tried to stop us talking about our thoughts yeah. on the movie to save it, to preserve it for this interaction so you get it live and raw. Whoa. I give this disclaimer to say I went down a similar pathway as Katie as to say that the biggest problem that needs to be fixed that I would fix given this script uh, would be to address the villain. The villain is terrible. Which lady, which guy, they're not in it. They're gone. Less concerned about the squad, <clears throat> to be honest, because it really doesn't matter. Although I think that if you dig deeper into those lower tier characters, including Captain Boomerang and stuff like that, and you drag up some of those dregs, maybe even Slipknot or whatever the fuck his name is, that kind of tier where you can kill them off and nobody's going to cry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair but enough. you can also take characters who are used to being sidelined, derided, treated like a joke and reinvent them into something new. I'll do a lot of that. And kill off one early like they do with Slipknot. It was That plot point actually works. It's made funnier because Captain Boomerang... I don't know. Like for me, that could go. It makes his character interesting because it's like, is he conning this guy into bailing mm. to see if the bombs in the in their necks are real? Yeah. Like, yeah. is he just testing this, <laughs> uh, or is he actually serious about getting away? They don't really explore that. I like. But they could have, and it would have been awesome. I like to think that he was playing him. Yeah. Like he likes looking like the stupidest person in the room. I can't remember the exact saying, but there's a thing about like, uh, not, it's better to look stupid than to feel like you're the smartest person in the room. And, you know, yeah, people yeah. to think that you're not, or to see through your thing. So if people think that you're stupid, they're going to underestimate you. That's not mm -hmm. a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have as a villain. Who's called captain boomerang. who wears a fucking Jersey that has captain on it. Like he is leaning heavily into that. And there's plenty of room for them to explore that. And that's something I'd certainly explore with him, especially because Jai Courtney wanted to do the fun thing. But there were a couple of dramatic scenes where you could see that he would almost have done better with more. Yeah. If he had more to work with. So I, I can't even think of the names of characters and I don't even give a shit. Like send any suggestions. Anyone who you think is Z tier or up through the letters D, uh, could be elevated like Copperhead, like we mentioned earlier. And you bring him in and that way you're introducing people to fresh faces, but you're also saying we're not only going to kill off one of them or maybe two of them. Like anyone can die at any point and it's not ultimately going to upset this new DC universe. We're not going, holy fuck, we've killed off Harley Quinn. What the fuck? Yeah. Or even Killer Croc to a certain extent because he's gone up in the tears lately. Have a couple of good ones in there. Killer Croc's good. I think he's good. Yeah, like, but he needs to be... Gigantic. Yeah, yeah. They, they need to. They and need imposing. to. He needs to have a fill him out there in lots of ways. Beyond, yeah. and the Suicide Squad doesn't have to be perfectly designed around the uh, the end set piece. Not that they were, but they can just be there for no particular reason. Because I think the direction they started going with, which I would do, I would lean into more, is that they want to test. Yeah, they want to test the Suicide Squad. It's not good enough to say oh, shit, we need her help. She did this witch lady teleporty thing, which wouldn't even be my thing. I love how we didn't fucking bother to know who the character was. She's just witch, witch lady. Fuck, she was so forgettable. Yeah. Poor, poor actor who played her. Mm. Uh, but take 
that idea of Amanda Waller being a predator. Yeah. Because she's praying, she's an opportunistic, sorry, she's an opportunist. She sees a chance to get something controversial over the line because America has been hit. It's lost its greatest defender, which is an all-American superhero who's only can be killed by kryptonite or some weird creature, apparently. Uh, so they are ready. They're open to options. They're aware that there are people out there with abilities and... And so they're like, okay, we need some sort of contingency plan. She strikes while the iron's hot, gets in there, sneaks that sort of thing in, which I'm sure has happened before with military opportunists who want to rise through the ranks. So her thing is trying to get through the ranks, trying to get attention. But she's kind of dismissed. Yeah. She's seen as a bit of a loon. So she's like, fuck it, I'm going to prove it. Like, I'm going to show you. Let's do a field test. Give me these people, ultimate deniability, all accountability here. If everything fucks up, I'll wear it or I'll just kill them all. Yeah. And our worst case scenario is we've lost five or six terrible bad guys who we're kind of have these weird morals where we don't want to execute them, mm. but they're kept alive. So they're like, fuck it. What have we got to lose? Now, the threat is the Joker. So you make the bad guy mm. the Joker. You make the bad guy the Joker because Batman will never kill him because of his one rule. And so not only does she sweeten the deal by saying – Let's do a field test. She says, let's kill the Joker. Right. He's insane. So they're never going to kill him because he's insane. We can't execute him. Batman's never going to kill him. Because he won't. Because Batman doesn't kill him. Yeah. So why don't we go and fucking kill the Joker? And what better way than to use our recent bait, Harley Quinn, recently heartbroken, broken up with the Joker, She's saying a lot of bad shit about him. She likes to run her mouth. And then what becomes like part of that is she wants to get revenge, but she's also still in love with him. Mm. Is she going to turn on them? Is this all a big ploy type thing? And uh, ultimately the way it would play out for me is that they are stopped right at the end by Batman who has to protect the Joker, who because he of fucking his rule. hates because of his rule. I will so would that him. be the only scene that he's really wouldn't have him in? in it. I'd have him talked about a lot. Like he caught Harley fucking. But, the, but the, it's the final reveal is him. Yeah, and, as, it, and as, it, could, as, it could have been Batfleck. It's not like a let's reveal a new Batman type thing. It's no. just a he is not important to this story. But you're sort of thinking as well, like we can't have the Joker as a bad guy without Batman. We can't have we like fuck this shit. And maybe, maybe he's been watching or something and, and he wants to see how far he'll let this go. Is he willing to let the Joker die if he's not doing it? Does he have to save him type thing? Maybe, maybe you bring him in a little bit more in that, but in that very distant sense. So he's mm. present. So you know that this is a movie that is about the Joker being the villain, but you're explaining why Batman's there in a very subdued way. Yeah. But it's really about this test subjects who are, the, the pitch that David Ayer gave was, was perfect. It was Dirty Dozen meets, I can't remember the rest, but like Dirty <laughs> Dozen is the perfect way to frame this. Yeah. And I really want to go back and watch that movie because they, they take a bunch of criminals and they say, we're going to send you on a fucking suicide mission. Um, worst case scenario, you die for your country, you pieces of shit. Best case yeah. scenario, we're going to set you free. Come back alive, you're free and we'll yeah. give you some money or whatever. So they kind of don't have a choice because their life is or whatever, like they're fucked for the rest of their lives, stuck in prison, or they can go do some good for their country because even 
I mean, I remember reading stories about mafia mafiosos going and fighting the Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Because they may be fucking criminals who kill people for money, but they're patriots. So there's that whole. That's why Dirty Dozen is perfect. So you yeah, take yeah. these people, and but you don't do the hurrah sense. Like they're not doing anything for their country. They're like, well, well no, and that's that's the polar opposite of what they would do because you talk to they're, their selfish. They're 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 extremely self-centered, evil people who yep. are only out for themselves. And so, more yeah. Amanda Waller manipulating them. Yeah. They set it up interestingly, even though they're doing an exposition dump. Her character is being set up to be a manipulative fucking piece of shit. Mm. She has no problems turning people against each other. Now, she would be very afraid of Harley. Yes. She wants to manipulate Harley. Harley Harley is the queen piece on this chessboard that she needs, but she is fearful that Harley sees through her. But she absolutely would. But she she doesn't let her know right until the end. Yeah. So she... She just treats, like, Harley plays the dump, kind of like that Captain Boomerang thing I was talking. She's happy to use her psych, uh, psychiatry, psychology stuff on other people. Mm. But she deliberately, like, lets Waller think that she has one over her until she flips it and goes, I see you, right? Mm. And just, so in doing... That, that's what makes her incredibly dangerous. Like, but in doing oh, that, that's yeah. how the real villain is defeated. She, Amanda Waller, is the real villain. Hey, nice. She's the real villain because she's formed this squad, she's out for her own selfish things. Even though they're pieces of shit, she's using and abusing them and she's trying to get a hit on an American, which they're big on. I don't really give a shit about that, but, you know, they don't want Americans killing Americans or it's a, technically a government-ordered hit because the government is powerless to kill the Joker because he's insane, so their own laws protect the Joker. Yeah. Gotham's protector doesn't want to kill anybody, so he's not going to kill the Joker. Mm. So what the fuck are they going to do about it? And it's a perfect test subject. Everybody wins. If they lose, dead guys, like dead bad guys, if they win, they've killed one of the worst one and they can discreetly take credit for it and the Suicide Squad has been proven viable. Yeah, yeah. So the, they would have to have a certain amount of victory in that. Mm. Like they won't get to kill the Joker. You can then play on... Joker actually being more attracted to Harley because she's out to get him, out to kill him. He's done with her. He's bored with her. He's fucking disposed her. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly she's leading a team to come and kill him. Yeah. And he is her soft spot. She's supremely intelligent, incredibly on top of everything except when it comes to Mr. J. And then she is a schoolgirl, you Mm. know, crush, falls apart loses all of her, like, Sherlock-like abilities to deduce and see through people. She cannot read the Joker, and he loves that she's fucking being unpredictable outside of his estimation of her. Yeah. So anyways, I didn't have all of that in my head. I ad-libbed a bunch. No, but that's a, I'd watch that. That's but the I, Joker I, is the villain. The Suicide Squad is the test squad to kill. It doesn't matter who's in the squad except that Harley has to be there. Keep Amanda Waller because she's an interesting character and I think mm. they the seeds of her character were more interesting than her execution. Yeah, I don't think she had much to work with at she all. She didn't have sadly. a lot to work yeah. with. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would definitely watch that. Yeah. And from an audience perspective, we know who the Joker is. Yeah. You know, uh, and that justifies why Harley's there. I don't think that you can just do, you can shoehorn Harley in like they did. Like no, you, no, no. You've got to have a context for her, and otherwise, you're dealing with exposition and flashbacks and stuff like that. So, if you've got 
Well, Arlene, she, who's she? Oh, she's the Joker's ex-girlfriend. And that's fucking, that's going to piss her off as well. She's like, I'm fucking more than just the Joker's fucking ex-girlfriend. Thank you yeah. very much. But she's also still trying to get revenge against the Joker. So I think that would be interesting. And it would it would be a kind of almost seamless, in my mind, transition to Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like absolutely. Properly broken up. So they don't end up together. Or maybe they do end up together again. And then that becomes like a, a little joke if you've seen Suicide Squad effectively without even saying that. Like, so we broke up again. And it's yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> all yeah. right, after all of that? Holy shit. But it's um, like they have her in the middle of a fucking room in a cage, like fucking Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. You know, um... And, yeah, like, I think that makes a lot of sense because, like, she's foul-mouthed and violent, but this is someone who's got a PhD and went through eight to ten years of med school. Yeah. Like, she's highly dangerous. If she's Incredibly intelligent. If, if she's a genius that's prone to violence, who's a qualified psychiatrist, <clears throat> like, she's all, like, she's Joker level, really. Yeah. Like she, she may be his girlfriend, but that's because she's his equal. Well, and yeah, and that's not really explored that well uh, in much. Like, not just Suicide Squad, but no. everything. And yeah. I think the reason that, like, from my mind, why she would love him is because she's, like, a Batman type in that she's grown up in a system of rules. She's followed the rules. She's trying to help people. Yeah. She's seeing a system that's a revolving door. She's not really helping that many people. <clears throat> or she's bored. Because she sees them for what they are. They don't want to help themselves. She gets resentful. But the Joker represents absolute freedom and his unpredictability means that she cannot pigeonhole him. And there's no... no, um, She doesn't have him pegged. And there's no clue of what's coming next. No, and that's ultimate freedom to her. So she can ditch the lab coat and the glasses and the tied back hair and wear whatever the fuck she wants, be whoever the fuck she wants, hurt whoever the fuck she wants when they hurt her, doesn't have to repress feelings, be the bigger person. That to me is why how I make sense of Harley loving Joker and falling in love with Joker. I think Arkham Origins, and spoiler if you haven't played it, does it best when there's a little sequence where you play as Joker and there's a voiceover and it's her. Of, a, of a session with Harley yeah. and the Joker. And the Joker's talking about this person who's just come into his life and they're amazing and he's in awe of them. And he's talking about Batman. Yeah. And she thinks he's talking about her. Yeah. And it's, that is how you do a condensed version of like a, oh, okay, I'm on board with that. That's kind of cool. It's That's n- awesome. It's not I like- I remember that now. That was great. That was a great moment. That was one of the truly great moments of that game that I think doesn't, it doesn't get enough credit for just that little element was so fucking cool. The way to sell a love story in voiceover in four minutes. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like they fucking yeah. nailed it. Take notes. And that was a that was a really interesting scene in the game. Yeah, that's I'm gonna have to go back and play that now. Again. I think I've played it twice now. We replayed it recently. Yeah, I know. Didn't we finish it? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Now we've got to do the DLC and then we're going to move on to your favourite oh, Arkham Asylum. Nice. And then my favourite Arkham City. And then the series is done. doesn't matter. Yeah. And then we'll do Arkham Knight, I guess. Yeah, we'll do Arkham Knight. Do we have to? No. <laughs> 
All right, so I would watch your film. I think yours is a better take than mine. I'd watch yours. I really like the Poison Ivy idea. Okay, so can we? we'll do yours, but you have to add Poison Ivy. What if first one, second one? Okay. Yeah? Yeah. But sequel. Yeah. Because we'll I don't, I don't we'll want it to get – I think part of the problem with Suicide Squad was it got too busy. You know, you've yeah. got an ensemble cast in the Suicide Squad and then you've got a, a witch guy and a witch girl and a fucking Amanda Waller and, and the – saving her, but they're trying to kill them. And nah. They're, they're just all, convoluted. Com- and then the fucking Joker's like weaving in and out of this fucking and shit. And then like he's a, there's a flashback to him escaping and Harley driving after what? him. And that just came in the middle of like. That was, it, a, that was it, a director's cut scene. That well, was it, was, it was in the middle of this intensive moment with the witch we don't care about. Like they just kind of cut to that and you're like, uh, oh, <laughs> Oh, but that wasn't real time because that's her before she's Harley. Yeah, I think you've got to be laser focused if you're doing an ensemble movie. Yeah. Everyone has to be working towards the same goal and keep it tight. Yeah. Everyone's riffing off the same goal. And if the same goal is your threat is the Joker and we're going to kill the Joker, it's fucking interesting. I don't think anyone is really going to believe that you're actually going to kill the Joker, but it's an interesting setup made more interesting because Harley's there. And I love the idea of Batman stopping it and Fucking hating himself for stopping it. But has to. So they're about to kill Joker. Like, they're done and he wants it. He's there, like, laughing his ass off. Like, fuck yeah, you did it. Good on you, Harley. Harley's having her moment. Maybe Harley's going to kill him. Hmm. You don't know. She gets robbed of that moment because fucking Batman turns up and cleans house. Yeah. He doesn't kill everyone, obviously. They just get detained. And then Amanda Waller, I guess, towards the end would have to talk her way out of it, you know. It wasn't a failure. We were stopped by the bat type thing and... We had him. He was there. He was dead. He was ours. Yeah. It works. Yep. So she's still manipulating, but she hasn't really gained favor. She's kind of in the same spot, but she's looking for ways to push it. Yep. Cool. I think that's, um, yeah, that'd make an epic movie. And I think. Well, you're one as well. Like, I really, like, honestly, I now want to see a Batman movie that has Poison Ivy. She's ripe. She, for this environment, and I think she's a very complex character that hasn't been explored nearly enough. Yeah, because unfortunately we saw... And the, she's terrifying. We saw the farcical version. Yeah. Unfortunately, and she's like, what, she's kind of kissed people and, and then her lips con- like controlled them and, and then she controlled Bane. And uh, it was just, they did the comic, like the comical route instead of the her potential to be fucking scary well, and also to be right. Well, yeah, she's... Her, her, she's right. Her, her execution is shit. But her execution is psychotic. Yeah. But she's very scary. Her worldview is something that a lot of people believe in. Yeah, and um, and that's what happens when you when you have essentially superpowers and, yeah. and magic, and your way of dealing with it is you turn the people. They're either with you or they're against you, and if you're against her, you become a tree. Yeah, does or, she do that a lot? Part of the I've garden. only seen it in the animated series, and it was fucking terrifying. Um, well, she does it in the games as well, and there's, right. there is a oh, comic, yeah. there is a comic series, or you know, you become part of the garden, or you're killed and buried, like so you like, become mulch. Yeah, like it's she is very, but like, but part of it is that the weird thing is, is that even with her foes and people that get in her way. In death is life 
for her because she turns it into something beautiful. Yeah, she's not even killing people. No. She's returning you to a state that you would always return to, but yeah, you're but you d- useful because your body is turning yeah. into nutrients that is feeding yeah. the earth. Yeah. You are helping to rebuild it. So in her mind, she's not even killing you. Nope. She's helping you to become part of the new world. That's amazing. I love that. And if there, if there is ever a time to expand that character into someone who is deeply flawed and impossible to endorse, yet everything about her mission is actually on the right side of history. But you can't endorse someone who psychotically turns anyone against them into a fucking tree. Like you no, but you can get behind why she believes what she believes. Yeah, and um, and she's just so vibrant in a lot of ways and her scenes, I can just see this like, you know, IMAX, 8K, you know, incredible, vibrant colours, but she's actually psychotic. Like there, there is so much cinematically that, and, and in comics that could be done with her that I don't think has been richly explored to the extent that I would like. You've got to respect the characters. And I think that's the, the, the lesson that Christopher Nolan taught yeah. all filmmakers from Batman Begins onwards was – you know, when they were talking to him about the past Batman movies and what did he think of them, you know, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, he said, I don't know how your audience can take these characters seriously if you don't. Mm. And that's it. It doesn't matter if you're working with incredibly grounded or outlandish. If you're trying to tell a story, find a way to make them relatable. As humans, that's why aliens or robots that they want us to love in movies have human eyes or very expressive eyes. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking something like District 9. Mm. They look like fucking cockroaches. And without their eyes, you'd be like, yeah, I, wanna, I kind of want to step on them. They're gross. They're disgusting. And then you see their eyes and the attention to detail that the CG artists have put into the eyes and how human and expressive they are. And you're like, I get it. I can see that person's in pain, happy. They're not that different from me because their eyes are a window to their soul. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I feel like we should wrap it up, though. I think this is about a three and a half hour I know, podcast. I know. You're welcome, everybody. Fuck, we're turning into the gap. Speaking of the gap. Wait, hey, th- wait, wait, wait. Let me play the thing. The right to fame tune, sing to fame tune. Hang on. Next time on Here's My Movie. <laughs> All right, next time on Here's My Movie. Is this where I say speaking of the gap? Yes. Okay, speaking of the gap. <laughs> If you think three and a half hours is long, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, Job and Luke run a podcast. They talk about games. Occasionally I'm on it. I try not to be on it because I think they standard podcast about three and a half hours when I'm on it, times it by two or at yeah, least add an hour. My two. groan is the thought of having to talk for four or five hours as part of a discussion, not that their podcast is long because they're great. Yeah. yeah um, if you love games, you should listen to it. And, of course, we gave a plug earlier. Let's give him a plug again. Ray Bannerman from Movie Weekly. You can check him out on Facebook, Movie Weekly, one word, uh, for news reviews and all sorts of things. If you love John Williams particularly, you will love that Facebook page because Ray loves him. And if you ever meet him, get him to whistle you a John Williams song. You will not be disappointed. He's an expert whistler and it's very beautiful to listen to. I'm trying to get him to create a channel because he'd be amazing. Where can people contact us, Katie? You can find us at facebook.com forward slash here's my movie. You can at us on Twitter at 
here's my movie. Uh, you can also send us an email anytime at hello at here'smymovie.com. Um, but the other cool thing that you can actually do is if you use uh, Anchor, so go to anchor.fm forward slash here's my movie. Um, these all don't include the apostrophe, by the way, and that kills me inside. But I love that you said that. I was thinking that. I'm like, definitely doesn't have an apostrophe. Nah, because of, you know. Uh, here's my movie. Yeah, here's my movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so go to anchor.fm forward slash here's my movie, and you can actually leave us a voice message that we can then weave into what? the podcast. So even if you want to say, you know, kiss my ass, you know, we'll put that in. Who, has anyone done one yet? No. Fucking get your act together. Yeah. So you can leave us a voice message. You can tell us that you hate us or that you love us or I don't know. Well, the Suicide Squad is the greatest movie ever made and we don't understand it. Please tell us at length why we are wrong. Yeah. Or like if you've got any ideas for upcoming shows, you can let us know as well. Um, we'll always play that stuff and make you part of it. So if that- you want to sing a new theme song instead of just writing it, sing it to us. If you want to do the here's my movie, it's pretty fun. You yeah, can yeah. play that instead of us. Totally. When we'll, you know what? If you take the trouble of recording something, we'll play it as the theme next time. Yeah. Okay. Um, but look, if you haven't followed any of that, just go to here'smymovie.com. There's a contact form on there. Just get in touch. That's fine. And don't forget, mystery prize, if you come up with a better segment name than whatever it is. New at the flicks. New at the flicks. Do I get to vote on it or not? No. Oh, okay. I don't get to vote on it. Otherwise, no, the rest of the team does. The rest of the, Patrick and Katie. Yes. Well, I know Patrick's voting for me. So <laughs> get wrecked. Stalemate. Uh, so next time we'll probably do the happening, but maybe something will jump in front of it. We've wanted, the reason that this exists is because of the happening um, pretty much. But one of the reasons. One of the reasons, yeah. Um... But, yeah, we'll see what happens. I hope you enjoyed, and we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye.